Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. And as always, my name is Brad, and I am joined by my two wonderful guests this time around. We have Alex. Like always, Alex, say hello. Hello. And of course, rejoining us again for, I believe, the this is your fourth podcast with us. Uh, we have Adrian. Yeah. Adrian, say hi. Howdy. Oh, hey, hey, everyone. We are back for a, I guess, annual, semi-annual, four-time annual. What the f***? Is that quarterly? Quarterly, yeah. Yeah. Our quarterly... Uh, yeah, our quarterly top five slash eight, maybe ten uh, for the upcoming set. Maybe you guys don't have self-control when it comes to honorable mentions. Okay, look, this card or these cards are cool and they deserve a spot and I'm going to shout them out. All right. If we have to bend the rules. All cards are printed equally, uh, Brad, but some cards are printed more equally. According to Arena, yes, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> No, they're not, because rare cards are way more valuable than anything else, including Mythic. It's so fucking stupid that I'll have like nine Mythic wild cards, and I'm like, but I need the lands. Now, I'm arena rich. I'm fine for now. If Pioneer comes, I'm buying four decks, and I've still got that's, wild cards to that's spare. That's because you don't play arena at all. You're like, <laughs> I'm going to hop on. I'm going to play mono red, swing in, do some damage, and then that's it. I build mono red, white weenie, mono black aggro, all three for historic. And I play that for my quests, and that's it. And meanwhile, I'm like, I, I need I need cards. I need to play with this new deck. It sounds fun. <laughs> I, I, I unlocked Kaldheim stuff for uh, for Kethis, and I played one game of Kethis, and I'm like, I don't want to play Arena. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes me sad. Whatever, whatever. We have Strixhaven to talk about. We have some decks. Uh, real quick, I guess we can... Uh, no, wait. We're, on, we're we're recording on a Saturday. I was about to be like, hey, we could go over the challenges real quick. Today's Saturday, guys. We can't we can't do that at all. But Adrian, we, when we were talking to him prior to uh, recording, I was briefly talking about how before uh, we came on today, I was playing some Pioneer games with a friend of the server, and he was playing Phoenix. And Adrian's immediate response is like, wait, Phoenix is a deck still? Yes. Yes, it is. You gonna play Phoenix now, Adrian? It's it's rearing its ugly head. I mean, just just wait for historic when Faithless Looting gets uh, released with uh, the Mythic Archive and Brainstorm. People just like Phoenix. Like you can seriously, there's I I know probably two people that I can get to start playing Pioneer again if Phoenix sticks as a deck, just because they can then play Phoenix. Yeah, it's a fun deck. I'm like, hey, come play Pioneer. We've got Phoenix, and they're like, okay, sold. Yeah, <laughs> just like I'm gonna cast. Also, can we all agree? that historic is the meme format now with all the mystic archives cards added to it they're just like yeah let's just make it a meme. i can't wait to generate infinite storm with bergy and grape shot people out that's probably like the only arena deck that that will be my mono red deck for my quests that sounds fun and the reason and, and because you can do that that is why historic is now the meme. wait format. that's actually great you've got the bergy plus that like bounce guy the igneous something yeah but <laughs> your opponent will think like yeah but i'm gonna make him do it to actually see how he wins because maybe you're just bouncing it but you don't have a grape shot in hand that is the best way to do your cast 30 red spells quest because you just cast that thing 30 times, your opponent's like, yeah, show it to me, show it to me. Got the grape shot? And I'm like, no, I don't, and I concede. <laughs> hey, I don't have the grape shot, but I have 500 gold. <laughs> exactly. It's like I won five games. I'm the winner here. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, Adrian. I, I think I agree with the meme thing, but I've also been saying for months now, I'm like, hey, stop 
fucking being pussies. Like, we don't want to put path. We don't want to put bolt. Okay, cool. But now they're like, fine. We'll put in storm. We'll put in uh, brainstorm. <laughs> Demonic consultation. Here's faithless looting. It's like, yeah. uh, no, not uh, tainted packed, but whatever. Inquisition of Kozilek is so fucking stupid. Why, why do you deem uh but path and everything Brad, too good and then you're like no talk no. about pioneer talk about new cards we've got five cards all right our original format was five cards one underrated card one overrated card one honorable mention these guys have like 30 so let's just get into it um let's just kick us off adrian what's your number five all right so my number five i actually have six i'll do number six in the honorable mention okay How about okay that? <laughs> I mean, that's how you do an honorable mention, right? Like, that's how I did it. I had six, and I was like, you know what? Number six is the honorable mention. We're done. <laughs> um, so, my number five is Rip Apart. It is one red, one white, sorcery speed. Choose one. Rip Apart deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, or destroy target artifact or enchantment. Um... I really like this card because of its flexibility. Um, and the only thing that makes it number five on the list is that it is sorcery speed. As we all know, sorcery speed is a lot more inferior than instant. But I think this still has a home somewhere, even if it be in sideboards uh, and your Boros decks or Jeskai, because it is so flexible. It's a lightning strike with a disenchant added on to it. Um, sorcery speed, definitely a downgrade, but I can see myself playing this at least out of the board. Yeah. I mean, it's my number five too, so I'll I'll just agree with most of the things you said. Uh, it, 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 it can go face, which is a little bit of a difference, so it's not exactly a lightning strike, which does actually hurt it, because otherwise this could definitely be like a Boros Burn type of sideboard card. And that's my my biggest gripe with this card is that it well being a sorcery and being in Boros, I just don't really see where it goes. The card is super powerful and unbelievably versatile. Like this is um this just has twice the number of options that a braid has. And a braid is a really good sideboard card. It's just yeah. where do you put this Boros card? Because Jeskai control is just bad. Uh generally. I'm just gonna go out and say this. Jeskai Control is bad. Don't play it. Um, and it doesn't go face, so you don't want it in burn. So there's not really a mid-range deck. Maybe like fires or something, but like three damage is not that much. That's why, That's the only problem with the deck. Like, But Mardu also has instant speed, like Bedevil and Dreadbore. So it's just, yeah, trying to find where to slot it and what deck it fits into is extremely yeah. versatile, but... So this is the type of card that'll just see play someday, right? It, it will. Once there is a deck that can actually, like, fit this in, it'll immediately go in the sideboard and be great. It just, that deck has to arise at some point. So, technically, this isn't all, this isn't my number five as well. <laughs> so we is all, this your number five too? We all have, what do you mean technically? I, I, I grouped this with two other cards because I feel like they all have the same impact. Boo. I know. Two other cards? Yes. Listen. You have a three out. card number five? Listen. <laughs> they all do the same shit. It's just, this is the removal dot card slot. I have Rip Apart, Fracture, and Vanishing Verse. 
Dude, that's my top five. Okay, well. <laughs> Spoilers, there's no creatures in here. It's all <laughs> removal. So Fracture, Rip Apart, and Vanishing Verse. Uh, fracture is the fracture and vanishing verse are both in Orzov or um, silver quill colors, just two mana. So they're all two mana removal spells. Fracture is instant speed, and so is vanishing verse. Fracture hits creatures uh, and or I'm sorry, artifacts and planeswalkers. Right? No. Does it not hit? Uh, no, it's enchantments, artifacts, and planeswalkers. Right. Right. And then vanishing verse is just monocolored, uh, non-land permanent. Or monocolored permanent if you can somehow give your uh, opponent's land a color which alex we did say there is some ways to do it then you know cool and it exiles they're all really good they all are gonna have home somewhere um they all could spawn <laughs> they all could spawn some kind of controlled decks uh, and different three color pairings um just guy seems interesting and uh yeah I, I won't go into it too much because alex is angry at me and, uh, I am. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get them out of the way. I think they all deserve a spot, and that's it. Uh, to then make sure it doesn't overlap too much, let's go into my number four, Vanishing Verse, because I did actually make them separate entries. <laughs> um, but I'll take the time to go into it a little bit longer because it's not part of a package for me. Vanishing Verse goes with a little bit, of, almost a little bit of a story. Um, the story of the card, Price of Fame. Um, Price of Fame was one of the premier Doomblades when Pioneer first emerged. It was between Price of Fame and Castdown. Uh, I played with both a lot, um, just almost depending meta by meta, weekend by weekend, which one of the two I was running. And if I didn't know, I just ran one of each because that's what control players do with their decks. Um, and that card was really good honestly still is like heartless act is a great card and has mostly replaced it and if you're not running heartless act you're probably running eliminate but price of fame is a good card and still a good card and i could imagine in some metas it is actually still the best doomblade in like very specific metas now and on top of that that this thing exiles and it hits anything like so we're taking a card that is borderline good enough to see play and we make it legit like four times better. Like if this this card might single-handedly spawn Esper Control as an archetype. That's how good I think this removal spell is. Because we've got a lot of monocolor, uh, multicolored decks, but bar Niftalite, they're full of monocolored cards. So, at least the important things like you look at like you know four color fires for example, you're gonna hit buyers or you're going to hit the monocolored uh, tokens in, in, in fires yeah you're, you're going to hit fires you're going to hit narset you're going to hit luca you're going to i mean hitting agent afterwards is a bit unfortunate but it's still fine because at least they can blink it um mono black aggro you hit the whole deck except for mudavolt boros burn all the permanents bar Luris are monocolored even like what they bring in the sideboard chain to the rocks is monocolored against your kalidas uh, if they try and mess you up with Roiling Vortex, that's a monocolored permanent. Like, there's so many monocolored permanents. It's literally like... Mono green? Yeah, mono green. It's literally only dead against Niv, where it hits pretty much nothing. And that is literally the only deck where that's the case. And in every other deck, it hits like 90 plus percent of all permanents in every deck. Yeah, It's crazy good. Yeah, it hits Phoenix. Right. 
Yeah. Pyromancer. Just name a good card in this format. It's probably monocolored. So this card is amazing. Like the fact that it is just a removal spell that goes in arguably Esper control and then not too much else, except for maybe being like a one off or a two board in some sideboards, makes it that it's not higher up on the list. But in terms of power, this could almost be number one for me. That's how good I think this card is. Yeah. Welcome to coming to my TED talk. I had it uh, on my honorable mentions. It was the top card on my honorable mentions. Um, I really liked it too. I just, uh, I'm kind of partial to red and white. Uh, that's why I rip apart edged it out, but really it can make an argument to, to beat it and I'd listen. And and I had a cop out because I literally could not decide between the three cards that I named. And I'm like, they're just, they're the same <laughs> card to me. I'm sorry. They all do. They're all really good pieces of removal. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Vanishing Verse is vastly different from the other two. Okay, I un- I I I understand that they are different, but I'm just like I cannot pick which one is better than the other. They're all too fucking good. They're all gonna That's see. That's what a top five is for, Brad. You gotta make decisions. Otherwise, we should have. Okay, next time, Brad's gonna have accommodated the top five. Brad's gonna have his own recording where he's gonna rank every card in the set so he doesn't have to miss one out just one to 252 uh 75 actually <laughs> oh this time 75 whatever i mean i could do that but that sounds all awful. right brad what's your number four all right so my number four is experimental iteration it is it's, That's saying so much. It's a good card. Okay, um, I'm sorry. It's expressive iteration, not experimental uh, typo. Uh, expressive iteration is a blue and a red for a sorcery. It says, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand. Put one of them on the bottom of your library and exile one of them. You may play the exiled card this turn. Uh, this is a very good card. Um, I, You draw like comparison to strategic planning. The downside is it doesn't immediately fill your yard like planning does, which can kind of suck in like uh, Phoenix, things like that. This is not a replacement for that card, though it is a very, very good filtering card. And one thing you have to remember about this card that makes it so good is the fact that you can play your exiled card, which means if you hit action card that you can't cast and then a land, you bottom the card you can't cast take the one to your hand that you want to be able to use and then you put the land in exile and then you can play your land the card is very good i can see it definitely having some home uh in is a phoenix you play this excuse me you play this with strategic planning because you still want to fill the yard you still want to be able to hit your phoenixes in the bin that's very important in that deck but extra ways to filter is also very good and i could see this actually eating up some slots of is it charm is it charm doubles as the the uh, removal and the uh, the counter spell the counter spell aspect is essentially quench the removal is only two damage so it is flexible and we know the charms are great uh, which is why that rip apart seems to be really good we agree on that it's effectively a four mode charm in uh, in boros now um, but i feel like the filtering aspect is very good and it can also even go in a deck like Scissors, stuff like that, um, be able to find... Uh, again, I think the fact that you can play a land off Exile 
it changes the card completely if it said cast this card from exile completely changes the way the card works and it doesn't seem flashy or super overpowered but any is it tempo-y kind of deck this is going to go into okay my i have one problem with this card and that's i don't see a home for it outside of phoenix right is it spell slingery decks just don't really exist except for uh for phoenix and phoenix is first of all i mean we've seen phoenix for a couple weeks now but i never fully trust phoenix as a deck yeah you know it always seems a bit of a fluke that randomly comes up and phoenix is such a weird deck like most lists don't even play finale of promise which as a card is almost made for the deck and they still don't play it so is it phoenix is such a strange deck that i can see this card either being a four off you'd like to be an eight off or a card you just don't play and it almost made my list but i feel like it's a little bit too much of a wild card because i i genuinely don't think there's a deck outside of phoenix that wants this that cares so much about being spell slingy that it wants to have this card maybe a traditional is a tempo list kind of pops up like uh like sprite dragon prowess yeah maybe is it blitz mm-hmm. maybe we get a, like a pioneer is it blitz style deck but yeah see i also saw this card and i just and i i heard your argument i just couldn't find a um a reason to run it over or with strategic planning um simply because you usually want the cards you don't grab in the grave i um I didn't think of the being able to play a land off of it, but I think strategic planning still just gives that slight edge because, like Alex was saying, this is the only home we really see for this is is at Phoenix. And I just think, uh, I don't know how many you would run with strategic planning, but you would still want your four strategic Yeah, you, you, you don't trim your strategic planning for this. Another problem I see with this now, playing the land is an upside, but Phoenix or even other is it spell slinging decks, like is it Blitz or something, will start running a lot of cards like Crash Through. They might get into Opt, they might run like Warlord's Fury. Like they just need cheap spells to cantrip. So what the experience I have playing against the deck is that it regularly floods because it draws a lot of cards without having any filtering for them. So playing the land of it feels to me like a slight slightly less of an upside than it would be in most decks because is it just churns through its decks so quickly but doesn't have a ton of ways to dump access lands yeah you can you can always exile the land and just not play it like if it's like if you just seemingly can't yeah true but it's more like the fact that you can make this like two mana divination early on by like playing that land is just a little bit less but but that's like very minor the the, the main thing stand is like and i i like adrian's point too where it's like everything you don't find with strategic planning you would rather just have in your bin like either being a phoenix or fueling a treasure cruise and this card isn't very good at that true that's why i, it, I don't think it's a four of i think it's something you run alongside i just think it's I, i'm looking at it directly competing with is a charm i think it's better at filtering the is a charm i know the discard is really good and discarding phoenix is good um but i think you just probably go up in charter course 
and then go down in like one or two Izzet charms. I I would almost be more likely is that than the point where you like go like down in like fiery tempers or something. That too. The, the list is really weird. There's a lot of three ofs. There's not a whole lot of four ofs in the list. Oh, as as a control player, I look at this list and it makes total sense to me. But I see Phoenix. I'm like, yeah, of course you'd run like random two offs and three offs and one offs. It's like, yeah, this is good deck building. <laughs> Gross. And the cyborg. Oh my god, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine one offs in the cyborg. Perfect. I hate it. No, I hate that too. I generally run a lot of two offs in my cyborgs. But like, I mean, you go through the deck so quickly, you'll find them. Yeah, you're one of Alpine Moon. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, all right, on to number three. Four. We Yeah, Alex did his number four because it was part of your three fives. Um, but my number four, which let me preface this by saying one through four could easily be shuffled around depending on how I am feeling. So this may be my number four. It could be not on your list. It could be number one or two on your list. But my number four is Callous Blood Mage. Um, Callous Blood Mage. This is a two and one black for three CMC total. It's a two one vampire warlock. When Callous Blood Mage enters the battlefield, choose one. Create a one one black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. Next option is you draw a card and lose one life. And then the next option is exile target player's graveyard. I think this card is so good because it is so flexible and it is on a vampire. Uh, so one of the best decks currently is, uh, well, maybe not one of the best, but mono black vampires is definitely a strong deck right now. And this card is so versatile and flexible that you might even want to main deck it. Um, it's It costs three. It's not that big of a body, but you can exile Players of Graveyard on uh, ETB. Uh, you It draws you a card. It, it's just so flexible. It gives you another body, so it could come at 3-2 power. Um, and the fact that it's a vampire... It's just like, this is a great sack outlet for Soren. Uh, this is a great creature to even bring back from the grave. If you're doing that to um, just give you card advantage, I think it's great. Um, yeah, that's my number four. Yeah, so I, I do like this card a lot. We've talked about it a little bit. And uh, the vampire aspect is always intriguing to me because I love playing vampires. It's probably one of my favorite if not my favorite deck in pioneer right now and while i agree that it is you know it is a charm on a stick it, it has these three modes it's very flexible you're right about that um my only problem with this card is the fact that it is in the three mana slot and as someone who's tried to make mono black vampires work in historic you end up clogging like i'm familiar with clogging up your three mana slot a bit more than you do in the pioneer version which is why Kalidus is so great in Pioneer, uh, as well as like even if you go into the Orzov route to get Blood Baron of Visgopa, like those are all great options to cheat in to play with Soren. And having to play more three drops like you do in Historic, where you have to run Nighthawk Scavenger, as well as maybe like things like um, not Gaunti. Oh, what's the other three drop from um, Aether? The Hasty Boy that can sack things and become indestructible. Yeah, Henny. Yeah, Henny. Um, 
So being able to play those cards, while they're cool and I like playing them, they're, they're really fun to use and they work in the deck, they can run into those positions where they're awkward because Soren, your best card in the deck, the entirety of why vampires even exist as an archetype, because without it, it's just bad mono-black aggro. So having to compete with the three drop of Soren makes it awkward for me. But I do like the point that you made about it's a good sack outlet too. I mean, once you drop it down, um, and if it's you know getting pumped and you can start pumping it with uh, Soren, that's nice. Um, but being able to just sack it, get rid of it, have it come back later with a uh, Agony's Awakening, something like that, uh, that's always nice. Yeah, I'm thinking about this card against like if you're going up against a Luris aggro, yeah. you know, and it, you might want to drop it on turn four after you already have your sword out, mm-hmm. or just just being able to drop it and exile the graveyard is so, and then also have it there as a body to block and trade. Yep. Or to just sack to your Soren. Um, I can see that being the most chosen mode of the charm aspect, you know, is just exiling the graveyard. Yeah, I feel like that's the biggest draw to it. And then the other two are just like situationally nice. So that means it's not dead when it's doing its one thing. Right? It's like when you're main decking like Rexage in a in a mono green deck. It feels like it's a really shitty card when it doesn't have anything to hit with its ETB. And especially just to draw a card, lose a life, is like, you're kind of always happy to do it. Yeah, okay, I'll draw a card. It's fine, right? Like, it means it's not a bad top deck. Uh, means it's less of a problem if you draw multiple of them. Yeah, I I like the card. I wouldn't say it's great. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, mostly because the graveyard exiling is like in its weakest form as in like it's three mana it's sorcery speed it happens immediately so you can't like threaten it like something like torment script would so my problem is i don't find it reliable graveyard hate now if we get like a super graveyard heavy meta or there's like some really ridiculously good graveyard based decks i would be more for it because so, like, I could see this being good in the future, where you want some graveyard hate in the main, and this is a good way to do it without compromising other matchups too badly. And then in your sideboard, you've still got cards like Digger's Cage to deal, like, really lock down the graveyard decks. But it's, like, pads your main deck. But I think people who, like, put this in mono-black vampires in their sideboard, because it's like, yeah, this is my graveyard hate, I think that's a mistake. Yeah, oddly enough, I um, I actually like this card more for a deck like Golgari Coco, like Golgari Stompy, as opposed to Vampires, because having the ability to have this in your deck and then on your opponent's turn, Coco, and turn the weak side, what Alex just pointed out, into maybe being something that can actually deal with it, it's better. I mean, that is so unreliable, though. I mean, it's better than just your option of just throwing it down and hoping, right? It's, it becomes more reactive. Yeah, but like, would that would that then be a sideboard card still? Yeah, because it's like this this card, like to me, in like no universe beats like Soul Guide Lantern. No, as being a good piece of graveyard hate. And this is just I don't find it reliable graveyard hate to be worth its sideboard slot. I feel like this is a card you run in the main, 
when the exile targets player graveyard option is a good piece of tech like a good piece of gravy to have on your card and not your sideboard piece because it's also too expensive for me to be sideboard graveyard hate yeah the three mana cost sucks i do wish it was a uh, two mana but then it would just be a strictly better dust legion zealot i mean this card would be ridiculous at two mana oh for sure yeah i can dream and the uh you know let's not forget the make it the pest it's actually not that bad Makes it a bit better on raid. You've got two bodies, patch your life total a little bit. It's two blockers, which can be nice against some matchups, like the, you know, aforementioned uh, Golgari Stompy. Right? If you're playing against like a, a big boy's deck, then uh, it's always nice to get two blockers. Yeah. More sacrifice fodder. Maybe this shows up in like a Jun Citadel type of thing because it provides you with two bodies. Maybe. So there's, uh, there's play to this card. It's definitely unbelievably versatile. Yes. Like most cards in this set. I feel like there's a lot of very versatile cards in this set. Definitely. So, talking about versatile cards, I would like to hop into um, the other reason I was bra- mad at Brad just, because my number three is Fracture. Uh, you know, so my three, four, and five was just in one slot for Brad. Hi. So, when I read this card, I was just like, they... I mean, it's, it's what the card is, but I mean, like... They seriously just stapled Planeswalker removal on a sideboard card that's already fine. Like it, this is just disenchant with more. And I feel like this card is super good as a sideboard card. And could show up in basically every Orzov deck. Like if you can cast this card, it's very likely there's a copy in your sideboard almost at all times like I, I it's hard to think of a meta where this card is dead because the the versatility of disenchant plus killer planeswalker means it has applications in like basically every matchup that isn't like generic creature aggro and you have other sideboard cards for that like it deals with fires but the problem that like disenchant effects generally have against fires it's like yeah but what if they either don't draw the fires or the fire's already like done its done its damage, and they've got this planeswalker plan. Well, now you can do that too. So this to me beats out Vanishing Verse because Vanishing Verse is extremely powerful in some decks that can cast it. Fracture is really good in basically every Orzov deck. I mean, even Vampires occasionally goes Orzov mm-hmm. uh, just for Blood Baron of Viscopa, and once you're doing that. I could definitely see this being in your sideboard. So that just it's unbelievably versatile. It's basically uh I feel like this card is just like a sideboard staple. And more than rip apart is, and that's why it also beats out that card. Being instant speed is a huge game changer for it. And being instant speed makes it good for the Ors of Control deck too. It's just another push towards Demir control decks potentially becoming Orzov. I do like that. I do like uh, being able to play things like Anguish of Making. Well, because we saw a lot of people this weekend play Burn, which probably has a pretty reasonable matchup against Demir. And some of the cards they would use, like Roiling Vortex, that would be good against control decks, Fracture and Vanishing Verse are good against that card. So that already, like, shores up part of the weakness in that matchup. It's a disenchant to deal with the change of Train to the Rocks that they put on your Kalidus. 
right? Just like how Vanishing Verse would be, but like, mm-hmm. so there's just so much play to this card. Uh, I feel like it's fantastic. See, I liked it and wanted to include it next to Rip Apart like Brad. Um, but I, and I don't know if this is back from when I played it when it was legal and standard and I just have bad flashbacks. I found myself comparing it too much to Mortify and how it's it's a Mortify, but you're swapping creatures for Planeswalkers for one mana less. I mean, you're tagging on Artifact. Does Mortify not hit Artifact? Mortify is just creature and enchantment. All right, I'm an idiot then. This is great. This is a great <laughs> card. <laughs> yes, it doesn't hit creatures, but um, it's great in the board. It is, is literally such a great sideboard card. and completely blows out fires because you can hit fires or any of their planeswalkers with this. So, yeah, I agree. I love this. All right, and we already know where Brad put it. So, uh, Adrian, what's your number three? Uh, my number three, um, like I said before, kind of very close to the top four. My number three is Kazmina Enigma Sage. Kazmina Enigma Sage is one, a green and a blue. Legendary Planeswalker with the static ability of each other Planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of Kazmina. Uh, she's got a plus, she comes in at two loyalty, has a plus two scry one, minus X, make a token with X counters, and minus eight, search your library for an instant or sorcery, exile it, and you can cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, I just want to start with saying... Just as a quick heads up, the instant or sorcery you search up has to match the colors of your planeswalker. Yes, uh, thank you. I actually skipped over that part. Um, but just as a preface, this is such a flavor win. Um, I love this as Kazmina, kind of like one of the head teachers, and so all the other uh, all the other planeswalkers have her abilities. I think that's a really nice flavor win. But um, Kazmina is. This card is very strong because it gives your other Planeswalkers a plus two ability. If she's not that powerful on her own, plus two scry one, not the greatest, can defend herself, is a three drop, just like Oko, um, has a good ultimate. Uh, so she's definitely, she's decent by herself, but when paired in a deck like Fires, uh, Super Friends Brew, giving your other Planeswalkers a plus two is very powerful. Even just pairing this with Narset, giving your Narset more searches, um, giving Planeswalkers that only have plus ones a plus two, I, I just think it's super powerful if you have ways to protect them. Um, yeah, decent by herself, needs ways to enable her which is why she's only at number three for me. But um, I think one of the best Planeswalkers we've gotten recently. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and by recently, I mean within the past year. because Tibble? I mean, Tibble is, comes with an asterisk because you cheat him out in ridiculous fashion. Yeah, Tibble was kind of a gimmick. Um, yeah, so I like Kazmina. 
Uh, she takes my number three. All right, Alex. You know what I like about this card. And you know what deck it goes in for me. This is a shoe in for fires. I think this card guarantees. I'm going to... Okay, we're going to make a bet right here, right now. I guarantee you in the first month of Strixhaven being out, there will be a fires list, a traditional four-color fires list that runs Kazmina in its 75, making top eight. I guarantee you. Because this thing is so good. Yeah, but I'll add the asterisk that a month later, it won't anymore. It'll still be in there. Being able to give Narset a plus two is absolutely insane. It, even the downtick is fine. You know why? Because you make a fractal token. What does Fires like to do? It likes to make tokens to hit with Luka Transmogrify. So even it's like meh thing for protection is perfectly fine and works with the deck and does what the deck wants to do. It's minus eight, whatever. You, I, I, you do not care. You do not care. But giving more opportunity for Narset to tick up, more searches, built-in protection that also doubles as advancing your own game plan that Fires wants to do, A-plus card, goes and Fires, will show up. Yeah, I'm not too hot on this card. I definitely see what you mean in Fires, but the, like, it downticks to make a token, which is what fire wants, Fires wants, is something I buy a little bit less just because we've seen already the problem with like the raven's warning over omen of the sun where there's definite downside to running the raven's warning now that's also because it completely messes up your sideboard which is obviously something kazmina wouldn't do um i don't know i feel like this card is okay um but the shoehorn in fires where it makes the token you can abuse the token is something that makes me think like, yeah, it's probably going to show up maybe. Well, no, pro not probably maybe. That doesn't make sense. It's maybe going to show up in fires. I don't think so. And I also feel like giving a... I mean, this could have al almost been my most overrated card. I didn't consider it. But just because giving that plus two to Narset is so severely overrated... And that's not because giving a plus two to Narset isn't good. It's just not worth running Kazmina to do that. Narset's already incredible. Kazmina by herself is kind of shit. Like, she has a plus two, which is nice. You know, like, that's a lot of loyalty to get every turn. But she starts at two, so she's a low starting point. Scry one is like... I think I talked about as well with sport. It's almost like the most, the, the least impactful game action you can take is to just scry one when you do something. Yeah, besides gain like one life. Yeah, aside from life gain, but she's not white, so luckily she doesn't do that. So at least you get the scry. And like, it's like scrying is just so, scrying is powerful, but just scry one. And I feel like that's the problem with Cosmina. People are going to put it in a deck with Narset. Be like, I want to make my Narset even better. And then you play a game and you draw Cosmina and you don't draw Narset. And you're like, why is this card in my deck? And then you have a game where you draw Narset and you don't draw Cosmina. And it's like, hey, turns out Narset was good already. That That's my main problem with this card. Because I, giving plus two to your other walkers is, is fine. But most walkers already plus. It's really just the War of the Spark ones. And then it's really just Narset. But in the decks where it works, it is good. I like your idea of how to put it in fires. 
where I suppose it has the other minor upside of giving Luca a plus one that isn't dead. Yeah. So there it sort of does double duty. And remember, like, remember if she's on board and you're giving your other ones, you know, plus, I agree. Scry one sucks, right? As being your possibility. And I and I, I wish it was like Scry two, right? But you can't because the, let's say you have three other, uh, two other walkers down. You have Narset and Luca and then this, or even just this and Narset. You're plusing her, Scry one or Scry two, then Scry two, then Scry two. And you said you just Scry six for free. Um, that might be too good. The fact that she pairs well with other planeswalkers. You know, it. I'm not like if this card would have Scry one, I, and that's not trying to be like Captain Obvious about it. But I would obviously have a very different opinion about it. But it is, I I agree that this card very quickly becomes ridiculously strong because she gives her abilities to other planeswalkers. They almost have to suck, and that's kind of the the paradox of this card. If it's too good. It makes literally all your walkers good because of its static. So it kind of has to suck. So more often than not, you would like to actually use the abilities your planeswalkers have by themselves. But that, in fact, makes Kasmina worse. So, yeah, the, the payoff is more the plus two than the scry one obviously yeah like the fact that you could just roll just scry two on something and that's why i could i mean i'm saying it's gone a month later maybe there's always like one or two in fires but i can't see it anywhere else yeah i mean i i just i look at this as a replacement for nahiri and i agree we talked about this before nahiri's minus two and the removal is very good nahiri's so underrated i agree and her plus two being on a draw card or discard card than draw card that's fine that's good just this actively works a little bit better proactively in your game plan than Nahiri does. And I would rather have Kazmina over Nahiri. It's not by a lot. It's really not. It's really close. But I would rather have this than Nahiri. No, I don't I, I don't agree with that because Nahiri gives you the removal option while also working towards your game plan because she ults relatively quickly. And that could like grab you an agent, which is then bounced to your hand, which is kind of what you'd want rather than have it on the field sometimes. And the fact that you've got a card that is a good removal spell that also works towards your game plan anyway by still having that ultimate, whereas Kasmina is just padding cards that are already good. But the, di the versatility of Nahiri is what makes her so good. And you are missing that with Kazmina. You're making your deck more sort of like streamlined or more like tunnel vision your deck, which in some metas is probably better, right? There's definitely metas where just like racing to the finish and kind of ignoring what your opponent is doing is the better call than to try and be interactive. I can get that. I still, I still go with my gut. I think the cheaper one. Yeah, I can also see Kazmina as being a board grab off of the Raven's Warning. That's an interesting one. Like, if you if you already have your Narset down, um, and Kazmina is just one of in the board, uh, if you already have your Narset or a different Planeswalker down that you're just like, hey, they could really use plus two right now. Let me go grab this for essentially free three drop out of my board with Raven's Warning just to pump my Planeswalkers I have on the field. Yeah. I, I just, I keep imagining the, the dream of, like, fires like having fires out dropping this and narsa at the same time like it just feels this feels good to me 
Um, but I, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see uh, for now and main my number three spot. Alex, now you're number three. No, I've had my number. Oh, we went out. Of, we went out of order again. I'm sorry. I remember we started with Adrian at the top, and then we switched to Alex being at the top because I f***ed it up. I apologize. All right, my number three. It's a good one. And Alex, it is a common. Oh, we're the popper. Uh, we're pondering popper now, boys. All right, my number. Th- uh, my number three is Eureka Moment. Two and then Simic. So four mana, instant speed. Draw two cards. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. It is a super growth spiral. This is going to be the card that helps put Bant Control back on the map. We had it before, long ago, when we had uh, Nexus, and it was a miserable deck to play against. So none of that. But we still have uh, Nissa in the format. We She does not see much play, but she's an extremely powerful card. And Alex, what's the one thing that you talk about every single time we do top fives, every single time we look at spoilers, anytime we see a, a powerful card on its own, you have the same response to it if you feel iffy about it. You acknowledge that it's good, it's powerful, but you're like, I have no idea where it goes. So like, like rip apart. And there's another card that we'll probably talk about later that you feel like that. Yeah. Nissa kind of falls in that same category right now in Pioneer. Yes, there's mono green uh, walkers or mono green midrange, but that is the only deck, and you kind of have to because you're shoehorning yourself into mono green. And she's not even always a four of anymore; she can be two or three ofs, which is crazy, by the way. Yeah, absurdly powerful card. I think the best home for her would be a bank control list. Eureka moment fuels into that. The typical standard that we expect for our draw four, I'm not, sorry, not draw four, our draw two spells for control lists, like Glimmer of Genius, uh, what's the one from Guilds of Ravnica? The, the, uh, like Chemistry's Inside. Chemistry's Inside, things like that. They're all four mana. Look at like Behold the Multiverse. Yeah. Four mana cards, draw two. This does have to compete with Behold the Multiverse, which is undoubtedly an amazing card that we all overlooked. Yes. Another common, by the way. And I think this card, I'm not going to overlook another card like this. Grow Spiral is fantastic. This goes right alongside Grow Spiral. Turn two Grow Spiral, turn three Eureka Moment. Sounds really nice to me. This is great. I love this card. And it's going to pop up in decks. And I think it's actually going to help spawn Bank Control again. I just... I I get the idea you're going for, like turn two growth trial, turn three eureka moment. Is that is it worth taking those two turns off? Because usually after growth spiral, you're wanting to do something on turn three, if I'm not mistaken. It's just with it being a four cost draw two ramp. I uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I think if you run it in that, you would like forego a card like Opt. And your draw spells would be like Grove Spiral, Eureka Moment, Dig Through Time, something to pad it if you want more. Maybe sensors you can cycle, something along those lines. Mm. Um, yeah, all I have to say about this card is that it, it's just good. I don't know if it's like top five good. I don't know if it makes band control work almost by itself because there's not much else in this set. Uh, for band control because i'm not buying your simic ascendancy bullshit uh <laughs> it's fun i like it a lot i think i like it a lot but i don't think it's good enough um 
So I don't think this is enough to push band control to like suddenly go from like it's literally nowhere to it's good now because band control was played a tiny bit when Wilderness Reclamation was still legal and completely fell off the map when Wilderness Reclamation left. And this is not a replacement for Wilderness Reclamation. Not even close. Of course not. And yeah. therefore, I don't know if it pushes the deck enough and I don't see it working anywhere else. But yeah, I do agree. It's just a very powerful card. This is a just another version of the four mana instant speed draw two with upside. And it's a very strong version of that. I love it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think your most po poignant point was that it has to compete with uh with glimpse. And um I guess it, it would just be kind of a uh, a creator's choice kind of thing with the deck. Um yeah, I agree. It's powerful. I like it. I mean, I think it's just a card you look at when you're deck building, and you're like, okay, if I go, if I do like Grow Spiral turn two, turn three, this card, and again on turn three, you leave up three mana. Uh, I'm sorry, four mana. Um, uh, and you can still react. It's an instant speed card, and a lot of times you can still hold up your counter spells or whatever, whatever else you're trying to do. So you try to look at in your deck building. What can you use as your finishers in your top end to help continue pushing forward this deck? And a control deck that ramps ahead of what other decks are doing when given the opportunity is a scary deck. I mean, we saw the uh, the Bant uh, the Bant control uh, list in Standard go against Jund. Uh, Goldfish did it last year uh, before rotation, and it stomped on Jund. It genuinely, it was bad because it ran um, uh, ECD, uh, Three Fairy, things like that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It was banned. Yeah, 100%. So imagine that deck, which is a standard deck, by the way, with a card like Eureka Moment in it as well as Gross Spiral. Like, I, I think it's very, very good. Uh, this is, this could have just been an underrated card for me, but I think it's good enough to actually crack top five. And even if you're trying to do something cute like a, Bant hero deck, you know. I, mean, I, I do love hero. There are some other cards in this uh, this set that make hero intriguing, but not, oh, absolutely. not top five worthy. I mean, um, Vanishing Verse, Fracture, Rip Apart, depending if you go into red. All very good gold cards. Silver Coil Command. Silver Coil Command is very, very nice for, for hero. Um, it's so good. Bit of competition with Ojutai's Command. Yeah. Well, no, no. I, I think you. I think you just say this is competition for a four mana uh, Soren from More of the Spark because that's what the list usually ran as the reanimation option. Yeah. Well, okay. we're talking about like if you're doing a ban. Yeah, and bans harder. I mean, if you go four color hero, you could do four color. <laughs> We need to get that uh, that land reprinted that says tap for any mana of any color only to cast multicolored cards. Uh, what What's the one that's in Historic that's for creatures only the, with a Z? We don't care about Historic. Thank you, Adrian. I'm just, I'm using it as a reference. What order are we going to go in for the top two? Who wants to do their number two? Who's excited for it? I've got a wild one that's probably not on either of your list. All right, let's do that one. Alex, I think we share number two. So my number two is the silver quill silencer it is one black one white three two body human cleric as silver quill silencer enters the battlefield choose a non-land card name whenever an opponent casts a spell with the chosen name 
They lose three life, and you draw a card. Um, so, my notes on this one are that this may very well be the best follow-up to Thoughtseize we've had in a long time. Um, or even Duress, if you're running Duress out of the board in a black-white aggro, or whatever home this goes in. Um, following up on a Duress or a Thoughtseize with like you play this and you know they have removal in their hand, you name that removal and it it replaces itself while bolting your opponent. If if you have an opponent that doesn't want you to get that, um then this is a 3-2 body on turn 2. It's uh it's very good in an aggro shell. I think it is um that that is the one thing holding it back is it's great in an aggro shell. But you're probably going to be wanting to play a creature instead of a Thoughtseize on turn one. So, kind of a non-bow there. But I think it is one of the best follow-ups to Thoughtseize, Duress, Divest. Uh, whatever you're running as your turn one looking opponent's hand. And then just naming a card that you weren't able to take with. I mean, I, I think this is a strong card. Uh, I'm going to have, I mean, uh, Brad already uh, pointed out my telegraph telegraphed response to most cards like this i just don't know where the hell you play the thing like and actually our previous talk esper hero maybe which is a card that would want this and probably run stasis so maybe there uh or thought erasure follow up with this yeah like i already talked about this on the on the cast this week and the problem i have with this card Again, like the shell, I don't think it's a card you want in like Ors of Humans. That is an aggro deck that exists now. Mainly because you'd rather just run a bunch of one mana two ones. And therefore this card is like just not on rate. Uh, and it doesn't really stop your opponent from casting the card. Like if you're, unlike like a meddling mage where you could name your opponent sweeper because, you know, it's going to sweep up your whole board. If you're like, oh, I'll name your opponent Sweeper, and then they're like, cool, you can draw a card, I don't care, right? As they sweep your board and you're now miles behind. And that's, that's my really only problem with this card. Uh, if we ever get to the point where we get a... Uh, I mean, the human creature type does a lot for this card. If we ever get like Absolutely. a three, four-color humans list akin to the modern one in pioneer this is probably one of the cards that makes it good it goes well with the cards from ikoria that were generally ores of humans too um so yeah good good card i like it i'll try it out in esper hero or whatever hero variant color scheme we end up going into four color hero five color hero oh my god uh <laughs> hero but with all but white wait <laughs> mono white hero wasn't there a deck you were telling me that was called six color and i just got yeah angry. yeah the six color enigmatic yeah, six color inclination yeah. my number two then uh-huh devastating mastery okay i was wrong oh my god is this your number one is my number two your number <laughs> fucking one okay go ahead all right we'll go into that number two devastating mastery now i thought i'd dial down from kaldheim where i put a sweeper at number one and i was proven wrong and i was like you know but <laughs> This is also a really good white sweeper. And this card is just... To me, this card just looks incredible. The uh, So for the, the uninitiated, it is two 
white, 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 white for a sorcery. And it says, you may pay two white, white rather than pay this spell's mana cost. If the two white, white cost was paid, an opponent chooses up to two non-land permanents they control and returns them to their owner's hand. And then it destroys all non-land permanents. So it's planar cleansing. It's six mana planar cleansing, uh, as planar cleansing is, but a little harder to cast because I think that's three white, white, white yeah. planar cleansing. Yeah, you're right. Um, but planar cleansing is a really good sweeper. Like planar cleansing is an incredibly good sweeper. Really nice for control decks that just want to be a, like a control deck wants to be able to deal with everything. But you're always going to have to like pick and choose. And the fact that your sweeper can deal with everything is great. The obvious, very obvious downside to planner cleansing is that it's six mana. So it can never really be your main sweeper. Like maybe you run one, but you're always going to run like three or four Supreme Verdicts, Extinction Events, uh, Storm's Wrath, Damna uh, Damnation, uh, Languish, whatever format, whatever you're in. This card doesn't have that problem. The only thing is, when you play it earlier, it's a little bit worse. Because your opponent gets to return their most important cards to their hand. But the main reason you're playing an early sweeper is not to kill your opponent's cards. It's to get them off the board. So even if they get bounced, at least they're off the board. And the fact that you can do this early on... Now, obviously, later in the game, you definitely care for actually killing things. And later in the game... It does, because you'll just pay it for six and you're fine. And that's where I feel this card is just so strong, because this alternative cost just fixes the problem that Planar Cleansing has. And Planar Cleansing is an incredible sweeper. So I know I said this last set, but I'll, I'll, I'll make the bold call again. You know, maybe they'll put another good white sweeper in the next set and I'll finally be right. This is very stiff competition for a Supreme Verdict coming out of Blue-White or Esper Control. I still don't think it's going to, like, fully replace it. But this is very, very stiff competition for that card. I can definitely see a 3-2 split, like 3-Verdict to this, even 3-Mastery three, 2-Verdict. Three Hell, I could even just see 4-Devastating Mastery and backing it up with one or two Verdicts if you want to be very sweeper-heavy. But this card feels unbelievably good to me for white base control i feel you i forgot about this card i feel like that goes against your the argument you made for doom scar because i was saying the last spoiler video i was like oh you got to take off turn two to get doom scar on turn three and that was all about killing your opponent's creatures early but you're willing to take the downside of this one just to get them off the board. Well, the, the idea that I liked about Doomscar is that it was a turn earlier than Supreme Verdict, so it could go under certain things. Um, and the fact that you took turn two off wasn't much of a downside because you were playing like blue... Because I mainly envision in blue-white control because all your two-mana removal sucks anyway, so who cares if you take turn two off in blue-white control? So I felt like this was basically a three-mana sweeper, Doomscar. This is a four-mana sweeper, but later on in the game, it is just so much better than a sweeper can be. You can now deal with, like... Like, um, 
I think a good example is enigmatic incarnation fires like that's or fires in general that's the type of deck that once it establishes a board against control and it's got like a couple of enchantments a couple of planeswalkers maybe it's got some artifacts like whatever it's got a lot just has a lot of shit on the board and a control deck is just like yeah i'm never going to be able to deal with this anymore like i'm just being buried and this card has that reset where it's like I just blow up all your shit and now we're actually back to square one and it gives Esper or blue-white control that reset button it just lacked in certain matchups. This is the type of sweeper you never board out. Whereas Supreme Verdict is definitely a sweeper that in some matchups like, yeah, it's just dead air and I'm just going to get rid of it. You never board this out. It's so good. Yeah, and, and if like if you do play early, like you said, you just get it off the board and you're like, I'm here to live another turn. That's all I'm trying to do as a control deck and get to the late game. Yeah, and 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 that's and I, th I think you're drawing like you're making a fair point about what I said about Doomscar, and maybe to just to reiterate, uh, reiterate, the idea is just to get shit off the board. The upside for Doomscar is that it does it earlier. The upside for this card is that it's a better sweeper later. So it's kind of like two sides of the coin okay that makes sense all right so i swear to god if this is your number one all right my number two calling ritual two we'll talk about this later god damn it <laughs> <laughs> i thought i thought that this would be your number two along with me and you would have that white sleeper as number one I swapped them right at the end, and I'll give my reasoning <laughs> why. Okay. So, Coloring Ritual, two, and then Witherbloom colors. So, four color, sorcery speed. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. Hey, Alex, what is the second most played creature in Pioneer? Lurus. It is Lurus at 21% right now. There are a lot of decks that have mana value two or less. And typically, you'd be like, you look at this card, you're like, yeah, that's really narrow, but in the format right now, you're hitting a lot. And having the ability to sweep the board comfortably against a plethora of decks, and then also be like, oh, by the way, I'm ramping, which this also can, you can even build around this card by having your own deck. Brad. What? I'm going to talk about this so much more later. Okay, fine. You can Just have the floor thunder, later. Brad. You, can, you can have the floor <laughs> later. Fine. It's my number two. Alex is number one. Adrian, what is your number two? <laughs> No, he was already excited. God damn it. This order changes f***ing me up. You want me to give my number one? Yes. No, you've got your number two, right? Oh, wait, you've already yeah, did your number uh, two. See? Okay, see, yeah, me too. I'm perfect. All right. Well, let's let's go into our other bits first. Underrated, overrated, honorable mention. It's, you know... I mean, nine more number one's been spoiled now, but everyone who looked at my Twitter, yes, like before, uh, already knew by now that what was going to be my number one. But, um... So I guess let's do honorable mention first, then we'll go into underrated and overrated. Right, Adrian. All right, from now on, the order it's going to be Adrian, Brad, me, I guess, so we can handle my TED Talk for my number okay. one. Okay. And we'll keep that order so Brad doesn't get confused and I don't get confused. Yeah. And Adrian's just chilling because he's not crazy like the two of us. <laughs> I've got a few honorable mentions, so bear with me here. Uh, I didn't just pick one because uh, I couldn't. Um... I will go on record as saying, yes, I'm known as the Electrostatic Pummeler guy. That is my favorite deck ever. But my second favorite deck is Feather. And um, one of my honorable mentions is the combination of uh, Leonin Lightscribe and um, 
kind of clever Lumamancer. Um, I don't see play. I don't really see playing Lumamancer over uh, Swift Spear, Monastery Swift Spear, and Feather. Um, the reason these are honorable mentions is they're only really good in Feather. Leonin Light Scribe is a two drop two two that basically gives everything uh, prowess. Um, yeah, so or Magecraft prowess, I guess. Uh, so those are one of my honorable mentions. Just great feather ads. Um, vanishing, vanishing verse we already talked about. Um, I wanted to mention Rowan and Will, the modal dual face planeswalker. Um, I think the Will side is a lot stronger than Rowan. I can see this maybe being in the board for what? What? <laughs> what? Uh, uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was just looking at my, like, close hits where I, like, talked about cards but didn't put in. And I noticed I cared so little about Will that I just have Rowan as an entry. <laughs> I think Will is a lot stronger than Rowan. I, I can see grabbing him out of the board for, um, well, either out of the board or them being at least, like, maybe a one-of in Super Friends or Fires. Just because... There's two different modes, and um, they probably go better in a control shell, where they make your instants and sorceries actually less to cast. Um, they both have that static ability. But yeah, this is an honorable mention. Um, and then my last one is actually Baleful Mastery. Um, I kind of liked the masteries and what they did with it. With uh, here's the cost. Here's a alternate cost that gives your opponent advantage um baleful mastery you can pay two to exile a target creature or planeswalker but if you pay two your opponent draws a card um if not it's a pay four regular so at worst it's like a Vraska's contempt without the gaining two life um and at best it's a i'm exiling your ugin but you get to draw a card you know, um, so I thought that was a good, thought it was good. Didn't quite make my top five, but those are my exhaustive honorable mentions. To uh, quickly touch on them, I, I think the feather cards are interesting. I feel like there's some nice feather cards in this deck. I especially felt Mavinda as a card is very similar to feather. Um, so yeah, I think they're potentially going to be ads. Uh, my main gripe with Mavinda is that I feel like it's very similar to feather. And Feather is being cut from these lists more and more or being shaved down to lower and lower numbers. So I feel like Mavinda kind of has the same problem where I think Mavinda's good, but especially competing with Luris makes it hard, which is that free value. Um, Rowan and Will, I mostly like Rowan because I like the idea of getting her down early, ultimating her super quickly, especially together with like three mana Chandra, where you can literally alter the turn after you've played her, um, or finding some way to proliferate like a contingency plan, something along those lines. Um, where I feel like Will is almost more like Rowan, just has five mana draw three stapled onto her, in case you're like flooding or it's late game or something. But it's obviously always good to have two sides to a card, right? I don't think Rowan would be good enough as it was just a front side, and I feel like Will wouldn't be good enough as it was just a back side. So, you know, it's always 
good to have two options on a card. And sorry, I was a bit longer. What was your longer card again? Baleful Mastery. Uh, yeah, Baleful Mastery. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll touch more on it later. Not as my number one, but uh, in the over slash underrated section, and I'll uh, oh. let you guys wait to find out. Ooh. All right. What were your honorable mentions or honorable mention? Well, my honorable mention was going. Well, I don't know, Brad, if you want to touch on any of the cards that uh, Adrian talked about. Oh yeah. No, I'll get to a couple of them later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Potentially no. in any of his sections. <laughs> uh, my honorable mention was expressive iteration uh, that Brad talked about. It was just in my top six, so to speak. Um. For the reasons I talked about, I feel like it's potentially very good in Phoenix, but only in Phoenix, and Phoenix is weird, so it might randomly be unplayable um, somehow, even though a card looks good for the deck. Um, so quick honorable mention I'll give to um, this card I was considering for my honorable mention too, and it's Magma Opus. Um, genu- generally just because of the 1-2 with Torrential Gearhawk. Uh, discarding this early, then casting it with Torrential Gearhawk is unbelievably powerful. And in a deck that runs Torrential Gearhawk, occasionally you actually get to eight mana and you just cast it first, and then bring it back with your Gearhawk. Yeah, you you already dunked on me twice with it. Yeah, like, but that was I just I'm trying it as a one-off, and I haven't played too many games with it, but I've been fairly happy with it, and I feel like it's a card that through some like cheating out cards or cheating cards like with Gearhulk, it's it's a very nice card to cheat out just because it's very big and very powerful. And it's always a thing to look out for. Just like very big creatures are always like, eh, maybe one day this will be good with a reanimation effect. Like, kind of have the same vibe about this. And unless any of you want to comment, don't know if you've got honorable mention, Brad. Yeah, I like uh, I like Magma Opus, just real quick. Um, because it, ha- it also has that two-mana discard create a treasure token. So if you draw this early and it's just dead in hand, you get a nice piece of one-time ramp. Um, so that makes it pretty uh, flexible. Yeah, exactly. It, it could even be like, um, you know, like ramping you into your sweeper return earlier in an aggro matchup or something, which is something where it could be very nice. Uh, the treasure can cause revolt for your fatal push if you're running it in a Grixis deck like I would. So my honorable mention is uh, part of the same cycle that Alex's is. It's a body of research. I know, I know you think I'm memeing, <laughs> but I am, I am very serious when I say that that band, that band control shell that I was talking about earlier with the Eureka moment and Grow Spiral and Nissa, this card goes in it, along with its new best friend, Simic Ascendancy, and you're gonna have a combo finish to win your games with a fallback plan of like, okay, I'm gonna make a giant, you know, uh, Hydrocrasis or just beat you to death with Nissa. I don't give a shit. I'm green i'll do what i want brad a control deck that wins with two cards yeah it's like splinter twin it's like uh (laughs) it's like inverter uh although inverter is probably the best control combo deck i've ever seen besides splinter twin um this will not be that but i think it'd be good i think it'd be legit like i know it seems like a meme but (laughs) you you body of research like with some extensity down and now you're like, okay, cool. I have a giant creature that, I mean, it's pushable, sure, that you have to deal with. But you also have to deal with my enchantment. Otherwise, you, you lose. That's, that's, you know, 
it it's definitely good enough to do something. doesn't die to heartless act the, yeah hey you can take three counters off of it <laughs> all right would that take uh, sadly that wouldn't take counters off your simic sense it, it would not um yeah i mean it's it's a little bit of a meme of course but it is working through an enchantment it wins obviously in that way rather quickly because it's just like i played this body of research now you've got one turn go yeah right it's it's almost something people don't wouldn't really see coming that quickly because you probably just like play this simic ascent it's probably going to be hilarious right you're playing this control deck and it won't be just cast simic ascendancy past the turn and your opponent's like what the hell is this guy doing <laughs> i haven't seen a single counter making thing at all yeah i haven't seen a single creature let alone putting counters on the... is this guy going to activate nissa seven times and feel like he hasn't won the game by then i think it's something that's gonna be good though i think it'd be legit Hydroid Crisis. Oh no, I am I'm so hoping that everyone thinks this card is hot garbage and is like a bulk mythic because then I can get the foils for super cheap. <laughs> I don't think you'll have much trouble. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> we know Adrian's you're opinion probably, on the card. Right. <laughs> hey, it's better than like most of the cycle. I mean, this and Magma Opus are the best ones. I do hate that this card potentially makes your opponent count their library on turn six. Like I know the better way is to count the cards in your hand, count the cards in your graveyard and on the battlefield and exile, whatever, and then 60 minus that. But you know people at competitive rel are going to be like, yeah, but what if you've got a 61 card deck? I've got to count. <laughs> to go through your whole deck. Judge. And it's like, dude, it's a bonk bonk. You're dead if this hits you. <laughs> Who cares? Do you have Fatal Push or Fracture in hand? No. Okay, bye. Let's go to game two. <laughs> and then they bring in seven in, uh, disenchant effects, and you're like, Fuck, I guess I'm beating you to death with Nyssa. And you do. <laughs> oh, no. What a horrible game plan to fall, game plan to fall back yeah. on. <laughs> and then you also have, like, Baked to Fairy that can go in the deck. Like, I think this can be legit. You're, you're really just splashing white, okay? I'm just going to let you know. This is just barely just a sprinkle, a crumb of white for things like Teferi. And that's pretty much it. And then someone casts Test of Talent on your body of research. You're like, no. <laughs> I've got this enchantment in my deck that doesn't do anything. Do we want to do underrated or overrated first? Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go and do... Let's do underrated first. What's your underrated card, Adrian? Okay. Uh, for underrated, I also have multiple. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's some comments. Um... The first one is Lash of Malice. Uh, give a creature plus two, minus two. Um, I like how it doubles as like a disfigure for removal, for getting rid of small creatures, but you might want to have this in like your mono black aggro deck where it won't kill some of your things. It'll just pump them for two. So kind of, um, it's a nice common to have. Uh, if, if you're running disfigure, I can see it being an easy replacement for Disfigure because it's a very niche situation. It might help you for lethal. Um, again, a Feather card, a common. Um, let's see here. Make your mark. Target creature gets plus one, uh, plus zero. When that creature dies this turn, create a three, two red and white spirit token. Um, 
this blows out it kind of blows out early removal against um you could even run this in red white aggro it is a red white hybrid mana um a lot of your creatures that you run aren't three twos um even if you're running the luris version make your mark uh you throw that on your creature it dies you get a three two that creature hits the grave and you can recur it you can recur this if you're playing feather you can use it for pump you can grab it back with uh dreadhorde arcanist uh i just think this is a pretty flexible card that you might end up with a three two on turn two and soaking up your pump. well i really like it that it doubles up as both a pump spell and if things go south it's a new body for your other pump spells because this these decks sometimes die to having um what do you call that having a bunch having like one creature in their opening hand or two and they get removed and they run out of steam and i like the idea that this is in that way kind of a protection spell like your creature still dies but it's like, oh, but while I look at this hand with like four pump spells and make your mark, I'm just going to put this pump spell on this creature, even though like it's currently being targeted for a fatal push, just so it gives me a new body, I can cast my pump spells on going into next turn, which I think is really sweet. For sure. And it might be a body that's even bigger than the body it's on. Like, yeah. Imagine casting this on a swift spear. Just an upgrade. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks um, for making so... my creature bigger with your fatal push. <laughs> I thought that was a really underrated card. I didn't see a lot about it, but it could go into red, white, aggro, Luris, or I, I like it a lot in Feather as well. Um, yeah, a recurrable spell like this is pretty cool with Feather. Yeah, for sure. And then um, my other one is Humiliate. Uh, Humiliate. For Hero? I think it's underrated. Uh, not for Hero, because, <laughs> well, maybe for Hero. Would you ever want to run this over Thought Seed? Uh, I mean, not over Thoughtseize, but like maybe over Thought Erasure if you're going to that two meta with your hand or thing. Or Thought Erasure, that, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, I can see this being a alternative to Thoughtseize if you have a lot of one-drops and would rather get down a one-drop creature and play this on turn two. Um, it's not the best, and I do concede that. But um, this is a, a fucking depressing card, though. Real quick, I just like the the flavor text and like the art make me sad. I don't want to go to this school. Everyone's mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean the silver quill are definitely yeah. mean. Yeah, They're but definitely no, assholes. every every single college has like asshole like kids like in their flavor text. Like, the, hey, uh, it's almost like real life. I thought this was a fantasy game. Uh, true. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are my. Uh, I also kind of put uh, learn in general. We kind of touched on it earlier. A lot of the, uh, I guess I should have rather put lessons as underrated because there are some really good lessons that you can grab, but a lot of the cards that learn just aren't great. Um, there are some good lessons, but at the end of the day, is it worth taking up a sideboard slot? Is it worth playing cards that have learn on them? Probably not. And that's a whole other hour long discussion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, learn and lesson unique, but probably just not worth it in the end. Um, but I, I put it under underrated because I just wanted to mention it. And I don't think it's like trash completely, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely some good uh some good ones. I like uh one of my favorite ones probably because also because I underrated this because I misread it, and it's containment breach. I thought it says destroy target art. It's a lesson two in a green. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. If it had a mana value of two or less, you create a pest. I read this as destroy target artifact or enchantment with mana value two or less. But it's actually just straight up disenchant. But if you hit something small, you get an upside. Uh, I especially really like that one. Yeah. Because three mana for a disenchant is just like kind of a fair rate. Like usually we pay two, but getting it out of your sideboard with this way definitely means you're totally fine paying three for it. Right. All right, Ox, what do you have for All right, your... All right, Brad, uh, underrated oh, card. I guess I'm going. Hi, hello. Hey, that was the order, right, we were doing, so you wouldn't be confused, and then you still get confused. Um, <laughs> so, my underrated, I have two of them. Decisive Denial was the first one. Suddenly, I am a Simic player. Hi. Unban Uro. I would like to be able to play with him again. Um, Decisive Denial is uh, two <laughs> for an instant. That's a green and blue, and it's like a charm. Choose one. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Or you can counter target non-creature spell unless, unless it's control or pays three. I think it's good. I think it's great. I think it has a place in like that control deck I was talking about. And just being able to be flexible, like we've seen as a huge theme with all of these cards in this set. I just like it. I think it's pretty nice. The other one, though. Does it have a place in that control deck? Uh, in the Bant one that's playing things yeah, like... Yeah, because you can make your 3-3 punch things occasionally. Yes, and... <laughs> and all the other times you've got bad negate. No, no, you could also... You could also uh, <laughs> have your Hydro Crisis hit things. I mean, your body of research hits like a truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just makes this straight-up murder. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to attack your uh, your Nissa land for forty damage. <laughs> like, yeah, that kills it. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! It's just a tree, dude. Calm down. <laughs> All right, uh, my other under underrated though is Augmenter Puglist. I think I believe that's the pronunciation. Uh, and then the flip side of it is Echoing Equation. I care more about the front side. It's a three mana, one double green for a troll druid. It's a three three with trample. Hooray! As long as you control eight or more lands, it gets plus five plus five. It still has trample, by the way. So getting a massive eight eight swinging at you is pretty nice because it has trample. The other side of it is Echoing Equation. Three, double blue. Oh my god, all my cards are Simic. Uh, choose target creature you control. Each other creature you control becomes a copy of it until end of turn, except those creatures are not legendary if it is if the chosen one is legendary. So if you have the ability to cast this card in the deck you're playing this uh, Augmenter, you can just be like, cool, uh, late game, I'm going to make all of my creatures 8-8s with Trample. And then you just swing in. I think this is a really cool card. I just feel like the rates on the front side is really shit. I actually like the back more because of that line, except those creatures aren't legendary if the chosen creature is legendary. That feels super abusable. Yeah. Like, there is something you can do with this. Like, you make some tokens, then you make your whole body, uh, your whole board, like a copy of Bergy, and now you get seven mana every time you cast a spell. Like, the, that's something where, like, I feel like this card has more applications because you could just break this backside with something. 
Right. So it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Like there's there's a few cards that do this in Strixhaven that make copies of creatures, but it removes the legendary rule, and that is just a super powerful effect. Because some legendary, like sometimes legendary cards are legendary because of flavor. Sometimes they are legendary because you're definitely not supposed to have two of this card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And or when this card, you're not supposed to have three, four, five copies of this card. And especially because the tokens, quote unquote, the copies, quote unquote, gain haste, most likely because they're already on the board. Like, I don't know, like, I'm going to turn five of my creatures into a copy of Arcanist the Om- Omnipotent and draw 15. Right? Just, like, something stupid like that. It's going to make for some good highlights, that's for sure. It's the type of card that makes for, like, really good Twitch clips. Like, <laughs> Sephiroth Olive's going to have a blast with it. He's going to make eight copies of insert card here. For some reason, I can see this being played in, like, Merfolk Ugh. or something like that. Or, like, you copy a... Uh... Ooh, everything's a lord now. You go wide and you copy a lord, yeah, and you just have a bunch of ten tens, you know. I like that actually. I'm a fan. I am a fan of that. Just, I just, I'm just imagining. You have the flavor of it is like you're going against this army of merfolk, and there's just this one <laughs> fucking troll tra- uh, just chilling. Like I'm also here to help. I'm here. <laughs> Sometimes I do other things. <laughs> Hey. Now I am just troll. It's, li- it's literally Winston from fucking Overwatch. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> well, it's it's nice because in a creature-based shell, we're talking like obviously a Marvel can Simic, but it could be something like Bant or whatever. You in those decks, you generally want to run a Coco shell. So if you can abuse the front half. But have a cocoa at uh, the back half, but have a cocoa hit on the front. That's just good deck building. Like, where it's like, I am definitely built to abuse the backside, but like, I don't have to actually trim on cocoa hits to put this card in my deck. That's what Merfolk needed was this card. All right, let's do it. Nope. They need way more. <laughs> let's give them like seven more lords. All right, my underrated card is uh i'll be honest when i was making this because i didn't hear like a lot of talk about this set like not on twitter or something so i just went to reddit and someone i don't know who i should look up made the spoiler like what card are you excited for for pioneer uh from strixhaven so uh thank you whoever made that threat because that's something very good to base this on uh my underrated card is archmage emeritus it was spoiled very early it was maybe the first or the second Spoiler of the entire set. Yeah. And I've basically heard no one talk about this card from the talk I have seen. Now, Archmage, Emer- Archmage Emeritus is two and a blue-blue, so four in total, for a 2-2 human wizard. And it simply says, Magecraft, draw a card. So whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you draw a card. I feel like due to... Exclusively due to the... um cheaper mana cost this is comparable occasionally better than Niv-Mizzet Perun but nobody talks about this card which surprises me Niv-Mizzet Perun is uncounterable it's a 5-5 it flies it casts when whenever someone trigger casts an instant or sorcery though that doesn't really matter that much because Niv always shows up in spell slinging decks anyway so you can abuse the hell out of it yeah but Niv-Mizzet is six mana. Big difference, right? Being able to play this and protect it is something that just, like, 
just the natural flow of a game of magic you regularly get to about five or six or seven mana and that's when even like the high land count decks tend to stop making land drops for a while like that's where they start to struggle you generally truck on for a little bit early game so this just slots in better again you don't really care for the fact that it doesn't trigger on your opponent's spells it's nice but it's cheaper so you're more set up to abuse it earlier and you're probably the deck abusing it anyway and the mana cost is just so much less restrictive this can go in demir in esper uh even is decks occasionally struggle to cast niv mizzet because its mana cost is just so horrid and the Izzet lands from this set have not helped because they're show lands, they suck. And this is, I think, the first time where we made a top spot and it's we don't have to say the lands are excluded. No, 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 we could have po- totally put the lands on this list because they wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> they're not an overrated, they're not an underrated, they're just shit. This um, is so bad. Yeah, so, so this card is just, to me, overrated because I feel like it's very good and very abusable. And draw a card is just so powerful right your opt is now a draw too holy shit right your shock now can trips damn it's a wizard you can put this with wizard's lightning maybe we're maybe people are building like an is it wizards list but now finally more of the control style that people probably envisioned when we were told we were getting wizard tribal and dominaria i was definitely disappointed that it was more like a generic aggro deck oh by the way here's counterspell but it never works in your deck because you're a sorcery speed deck mostly and I feel like this card just does a lot of work in that. That's why I think it's underrated. See, this is why I run fewer ones, because I talk way too fucking much. So at least I have as much talking time as you guys with a third of the cards. <laughs> it's because all of your uh, cards you talk about go into control decks, and the math and science behind control decks is so fucking convoluted that you need an essay and a fucking PowerPoint presentation to even get your point across. Yeah, like... Like, if I want to talk about this card and say, like, it's good because card draw good, there's a lot to be said. And, like, if it's, like, a feather card, it's like, this is good because it hits other than that, uh, harder than that other card that we have. Everyone's like, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of feather cards, uh, this one no one's talked about. Um, now, Adrian, I remember you've tried the Naya feather before with, uh, what's the enchantment? I thought about trying it. Um, the the two mana whatever you target one of your creatures you draw a card spirit of growth no no it's not that something like that season of growth yes season of growth there we go so there are a couple of cards that make me intrigued about naya feather being a thing again um the first one is going to be charge through i believe is the card um it's a one mana uh does it cantrip does it draw a card i'm trying to find it yeah, yeah. That's what makes it so good. It gives a thing trample and then draws a card, right? Is that it? Yeah, just, just, just instant trample. speed, one green, target instant speed target creature gets trampled, draw a card. Yeah. Until end of turn, of course. That's the first one. The other one is Dragon's Guard Elite, which is a one and a green, has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy it instead of sorcery spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it. And later in the game, you can pay four double greens over six mana. You can double the amount of counters on it. And it's a two, two for two. It's a bear. Now, this was almost in my overrated, but I didn't hear enough people talk about this. The problem with this card that I have is people are like, yeah, it's the best Kyrion Dryad we've ever had. It's like, 
yeah, and Kyrion Dryad was a good card like 15 years ago. We've had Kyrion Dryad legal in both Pioneer and Standard for about two years, and nobody plays it. We had the Deep Root Champion, which is legal in Pioneer, and was legal in Standard, and pretty much no one played it. That that deck was like super niche. And I think there was like, I think Seth or have played in against the odds with it. And that's it. That's all we saw of the deck. I don't think Curion Dryad copy 9 through 12 are really going to help the deck. But I like it, and I think it's a deck that is just probably going to be super fun to play. But it already exists, and nobody plays it. And this card isn't that much better. It's a little better. I think it's just interesting for Naya. I think it's interesting. It's just my problem is... Um, like you would have to build the deck around it, and just with it being green is... Like, you're not ripping off, like, instant and sorceries like you would in a prowess deck or something like that, you know? A lot of the green ones that are uh, instant or sorcery are usually, you know, your your pump spells, but you only cast one per turn or something like that. I feel like Kyrion Dryad would be better in Naya Feather. Because not many of your other spells would be green. It's like, probably like Charge Through in Seasons of Growth. But Kyrion Dryad triggers of all your creatures, because they're red and white. And this only triggers off your pump spells. So this card is as good, if not worse, actually, than Kyrion Dryad. And nobody plays that. I mean, they, maybe no one's tried it. And now people try it, and it's like, hey, this might actually be good. I can see that happening. Like some, you're saying this might open people's eyes to Kyrian Dryad. <laughs> I mean, this has happened before, where people like haven't tried stuff, and then a new card came out. People build a deck, and they end up actually cutting the card that initially got them to build the deck. Like this has happened in the past. So, looking at it optimistically, maybe this is a case of that. I doubt it because Kyrian Dryad is just such a historic card that people very a lot of people remember playing with. So, it's like opening people's eyes up to lightning bolts, and it's like we know, dude, this card exists. <laughs> <laughs> like shock didn't make me think of lightning bolt. It's fine. I didn't need a reminder. <laughs> All right, now we have overrated to do. Yes, Adrian, overrated cards. Um, just a quick uh, aside. I I don't know if we did this in the last one, but I also had a disappointed category. Um, which oh yeah, we did do that. Like about the it's kind of yeah, kind of overrated. But I didn't even hear people talk about them, uh, so I'm just gonna mention it real quick. And that's the deans of the set, the uh, modal dual face deans of each class. Um, five total, but they're all front and back, so kind of ten total. You got ten different legendary deans, but, um, yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed in them. I feel like they tried to, they actively tried not to make them too good. Um, so they all have unique effects and everything, but I don't feel like any of them are sh are really strong enough to be super playable. Um, so I just wanted to mention them real quick. Yeah, I agree uh, with you on kinda, that. Yeah. My overrated is the Body of Research combo uh, <laughs> that Brad <laughs> mentioned earlier. 
I uh, no, this might be because I've you know I've seen uh, I forget if it was a tweet or a Reddit or, or random Reddit comment or something. I've seen people say like, "Oh, looks like we have another Splinter Twin combo," you know. But they said the same thing about that that uh, life gain card. We got a few sets back where you like make your opponent draw half their deck and then they lose that life, you know, and they're like, oh, oh we've got a Splinter oh, Twin uh, situation. The one that's in Lotus now? Peer into the Abyss? Yes. The, the yeah, you can have Peer There's Peer into the Abyss and there is another card. I mean, there's Underworld Dreams. No, Veto. The Veto combo. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you've... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's, there's Veto, but also like Peer into the Abyss together with Underworld Dreams is most likely yes. a one-shot. So I was thinking of two different combos, that one and the veto combo. Um, and I've seen people refer to the body of research combo as a new splitter twin uh, when paired with Simic Ascendancy. And I just, I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, if you're not, if you're playing Simic Ascendancy on two, you're, you're telling your opponent, you're telegraphing that's, completely. That, that's, why you, that's why you don't play it on two. I, I know, but then... What are you gonna go play it on five? Are you gonna play it on eight with body of research after that? Then you gotta wait till eight. You're in a control deck, so I think you can afford to. And then your opponent censors you, and you're like, shit. If you kept censor <laughs> past turn nine or something, you're bold. Okay. Can I please tell a tiny story about this? This was one of my funniest moments in the tournament ever. Yes. Oh jeez. I played in standard, uh, hour of devastation standard. I think I went to a tournament. I played against someone who was playing like four color super friends in a in a tournament. This is just like competitive uh, realm or whatever, but I wasn't doing too well, so that's why I was up against super friends. And this guy later in the game, he plays Nissa Vital Force, which I think is six mana, might be five mana. It's five. But it's like a five drop. I counter it. He plays six mana Ajani. I counter it. He played this game went on forever. He plays six mana Vraska. I censor it. And he was like, "What?" Like, yeah, you no. know. <laughs> oh, jeez. So he triple spelled, spending, I think, like 17 mana, and I censored his last spell, and I felt so good about myself. Yeah, I would look at you and be like, why the f*** did you not cycle Oh, yeah, car? he scooped. He was like, yeah, you got <laughs> me, dude. And he That's a tilt scoop. <laughs> yeah, he was just, because obviously also this was like his Hill Mary play. So he scooped, he was empty-handed, I had four cards, and he's like, yeah, you just censored my card, and there's four left. I'm like, uh-huh. That is correct. <laughs> and you're like, little does he know, they're all lands. <laughs> that has happened. Where people are like, how many cards you got in hand? Five, scoop. And, it's, and I'm just looking at like five lands and a fatal push against the deck where it's not good. I'm like... Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> we would have gotten there eventually, yeah. boys. I think it's cute. You know, Body of Research, Simic Ascendancy. It's a cute win con that you'll try and then you'll just realize that you're playing control deck and you have better finishers. You know, you could just play coma over this. You can play, you know, and that's just from the last set. I, I could think of a bunch of different examples, but yeah, it's cute. It's nice to try out. It's a combo, but in the end, it's like, you're going to be playing better things. Both of you I mean, to assume I'm not going to play coma in the deck that's running body of research. <laughs> but I mean, my like, playing Simic Ascendancy alongside cards like Nissa and Hydroid Craces that actually are like good cards almost makes more sense to me. Like a Simic deck that maybe runs just like 
two copies of Simic Ascendancy, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm gonna need this like guaranteed win, and that's why I run it. Or you run it like as a full four off, but you have some way to discard cards. Maybe one of your draw spells is like Chemistry's Insight, and you could just dump. Simic Ascendancy when you don't need it, but you do make sure that you draw it early enough for the matchups where you do, and you kind of just don't need the body of research. This is kind of going back to the Kyrion Dryad thing, where maybe you're like, wait, Simic Ascendancy is just a nice win condition in this deck, and you just need a body of research to see it, but you don't actually need body of research. I just, I, I, you can just get Nissa down, double mana, Hydro Crisis. <laughs> this was not to, uh, to try to blow Brad out of the water. That's okay. My overrated is one of your cards too, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, my other one is uh is Professor Onyx, uh the Liliana Planeswalker we get out of this set. Um and I can't justify running her over the War of the Spark, Liliana. Unless you're trying to do some combo with the Magecraft static. Um it's just weaker than the War of the Sparks, which, which we got literally a two drop that does the same thing but better. In the yeah, but that's for set. legacy. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know. But I'm saying like, if you're gonna do something for, with that Magecraft, if we Pioneer ever gets something like that, we got a better option than Liliana. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'll just never stop referring to this card as Professor Black Mana because I feel like Onyx is like the most generic way to specify like it's a Black Mana card ever. Right, they could have just named her Professor Black, but it wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> so they named her Professor Onyx. Did they tell us why she's even there? Uh, I just saw a YouTube video with the title Liliana is trying to resurrect Gideon, but I didn't watch it, but it's probably Strixhaven. Oh, it, it would make sense with Confront the Past. Like, she's just, like, mourning. Yeah, maybe that's what's in that, like, that soul container thing that's on her desk, because it is actually a thing that contains souls. Maybe it's Gideon. Ah. Maybe she went to Theros, and it's like, I'm going to take you with, see what I can do with this. <laughs> I mean, we we do have that card from Shadows of, Shadows of Renistrad. It's a white enchantment. Yeah, and so. it, it's like a thing that contains souls. Yeah, yeah. Her soul isn't contracted. Maybe she made a deal with Erebos. Maybe she's on good terms with him. And it's like, hey, can I have Gideon's soul by any chance? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but that that would also be a flavor fail because on uh, Damagoth Titan, it's literally the flavor text is like, of course it offered you power. It's a fucking demon. Are you dumb? Because she's done it before, like. <laughs> She's like, but she's, she says, but trust me, the sweeter the price, the more uh, ruinous the pro- uh, the sweeter the prize, the more ruinous the price. It's like, yeah. So I doubt that she sold her soul again. <laughs> no, but I mean, not sell her soul to Erebos, but I can imagine she's on good terms with him. No, it's just like you can have Gideon's soul, but just go up to Heliot and spit in his face one more time before you leave. I still no, I, I don't <laughs> want her to resurrect Gideon because I still want the idea of Gideon replacing, yeah, replacing Heliod. That'd be cool. But Brad, or do you have any more overrated cards, uh, Adrian? No, that's all for me. All right. Mine is Silver Quill Silencer. Um, I think on, on like its body, it's like, oh, cool, cool. Three, two for two. And it's like, it's an aggressive meddling mage. I see the appeal. But in practice, this is going to be a strictly worse meddling mage for the same reason that Alex made about the sweeper argument and stuff like that. Yeah, you can be like, okay, I'll name Fatal Push. You can push it. I'll draw a card. You take three. But I would imagine Alex being the control deck that Fatal pushes this and being like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Here's your here's your draw <laughs> card. You drew a land. Congratulations. I killed your thing. I'm going to name Fatal Push. I'm going to cast Cry of the Canarium. <laughs> yeah. 
like I just think it's so aggressively statted where this type of card and effect you want it to be more defensive and less aggressively statted now and then seeing it maybe like a hero and stuff like that seems weird um even just like a blue a blue I'm um, not blue I'm sorry even just an Orzov humans list uh, that we've seen in the past. Um, it is a human cleric. You maybe could do a cleric list. It's just the homes this goes into are so weird to me where it's just you get a one-shot value piece out of it where it's not actually like helping you that much. I just I don't think it's nearly as good as we want it to be where we're telling ourselves like this is aggressive and we're thinking of like the best plays ever with it or like the best curve with it or the best like with thoughts, these things like that. And I'm just thinking, yeah, it dies. I draw a card and I'm just like, cool. I drew a land. Like, uh. I think I, I don't want to get too much into redesigning cards before they're even printed. I kind of wish this wouldn't deal damage to your opponent and instead it would have ward. And not to mm -hmm. deal damage, but something like Ward 1 or Ward 2, where it would punish your opponent for drawing that card and make it a little bit harder to use that card against the silencer itself. Because as you point out now, it's like, I'm going to name Fatal Push. It's like, I'll push it. It's like, yeah, I took took a nug and you drew a card. Okay. Right, not the end of the world. Yeah. I wish it made it a bit harder for your opponent to deal with this card without just straight up giving it Hexproof. If that was Hexproof would be ridiculous. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or protection. <laughs> protection from black. <laughs> yeah. Why'd you name Fatal Push? Well, just the flex, I guess. <laughs> All right, Alex, what is your uh, overrated? All right. This is the only one where I had two, but I was going to give you guys the option, like which one you want, but you guys have so many, I'm just going to do both. Because uh, I had the option, a card that I think people is that people think is all right, and it's just straight up shit and one card that is actually good, but not as good as people make it out to be. So the card that is just actually straight up shit is uh, Galazeth Prismari, where people think this somehow goes in Izzet Dragons, and it just absolutely doesn't. Yes. Um, I agree. It It's four mana for a three, four flying. When it enters the battlefield, it gives you a treasure, and you can tap your treasures for mana instead, and then they don't have to be sacrificed because they just turn into mana rocks. I mean, it says artifacts, but it's treasures, right? What else is going to show up in these decks? Your Dragon's Horde already taps for mana. Um, so, first of all, this is the least Elder Dragon Elder Dragon ever because it donates you a treasure, which, like, any card in this game can do, really. Uh, there's plenty of commons that give you treasures. Um... People think it goes great with um, with what's the the new glory bringer a goldspan dragon, but it kind of doesn't. Like yeah, it gives you a treasure, but discard incentivizes you not to sacrifice your treasures, and goldspan dragon incentivizes you to sack your treasures. So they actually kind of work against each other, and it's like yeah, sometimes I can I can choose, but it's like but the choice doesn't really matter because goldspan dragon is so good and you get so much mana that it doesn't matter. And once you're running four Glorybringer, four Goldspan Dragon, you probably have enough dragons. And otherwise, you might just want to back that up with a Sprite Dragon or two, because they could pressure Planeswalkers, which is something an Izzet deck would want, an Izzet control deck. Because it would want to find ways not to be buried by Planeswalkers, but all its removal is damage-based, which often isn't enough. So a hasty creature is actually good in that deck. So... I don't see why you would just want to play a 4-mana 3-4. It just seems shit to me. 
Maybe it shows up as a one-off as a filler. Congratulations, slow clap. But this card's shit. Um, now to talk about a card that is good but not as good. And Adrian mentioned it earlier, and it's Billful Mastery. Now, Brad and I talked about this at length about a week ago. Oh, okay. I feel like, and I'll just kind of repeat what I said then, and uh, you can you can see what you think about because I think you said the card was underrated. Um, yeah, I had it in my underrated. Uh, or was it your honorable mention? Um, but so the four mana exile effect is 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 bad, right? It, it's it's not a good rate. Vraska's contempt gives you life. Eat to extinction gives you a surveil, like. There's definitely, which I think is almost like the better comparison, though Vraska's Contempt actually occasionally sees play and Need to Extinction doesn't, but it's competing with these two cards. And the upside, quote-unquote upside, is for its alternate casting cost, you have your opponent draw a card, which is a huge downside. Now, yes... Sometimes, like I said with the other mastery, the devastating mastery, it's more important to have a card off the board. No matter the downside, just have it off the board, right? Where like a bounce spell would even be fine because you just need it gone. But your other options, thinking of cards like Hero's Downfall, Soul Shatter, Murderous Rider, these type of cards, they cost three mana. And I would just much rather have the consistent middle of the road that's always good than having a card that is bad both ways but one of the bad ones is like situationally okay and i feel like where people and i think this is mostly why it goes into overrated a lot of people that i've heard talking about this consider the alternative cost not a downside because if you've got narset they don't draw a card which first of all means people didn't read narset correctly because you still do uh, if you do it in your turn. So you need to then wait to your opponent's turn, and then if you have a Narset on the field, the downside is negated. Which almost goes into the same point as I had with Kasmina, where it's like, guys, Narset is good already. We do not need to add mediocre cards to our deck to make Narset a better card. It's already one of the best cards in your deck, most likely. So I think it's mostly the misinterpretation of how you sort of need this to one-two with Narset. Like, no, you don't. Just play Narset. So the thing about that reasoning is it's kind of the opposite of what we just said about Silver Quill Silencer. Where, oh yeah, they'll push it and I get to draw a card. That's, you're basically doing the same thing with the alternate cost of Baleful Mastery. It's like, oh, your opponent gets to draw a card, whatever, I got rid of their thing. I, yeah, I, but the thing I'm is, feeling they put the Silver... Yeah, I get what you mean, but I feel like with Silvercore Silencer, it's them putting a card in their deck where I'm like, okay, taking the downside if my opponent chooses to put it in their deck, because I feel like it's overall, like with its rate and stuff, it's kind of like powering down your opponent's deck, where I feel like Billful Mastery is me powering down my deck by like having that downside to it. So I feel like... Silver Quill Silencer will occasionally come up in some in some matchups against like an Ors of Aggro deck, then I'm fine taking that downside in some situations. Billful Mastery means that in many matchups, I am regularly taking that downside. And then I don't like it, because it happens too often. It's like a matter of consistency. This is obviously all arguing from the perspective of a control deck, where I feel like this card fits in. 
Then I want the consistency. I'll take the middle of the road, three mana card. I know what it does, and it's always good. Instead of a card that goes from great to shit, I'll take the consistency. Right. That makes sense. And I think this... That Baleful Mastery might... Um, it might not be relevant now, but if we see a meta that includes anything indestructible or a really graveyard-heavy meta then you might want to take that that downside of drawing a card just for the exile effect. Um, but as of right now in the meta, I think I agree with you that it's not worth playing it um, just to have the exile and make it four mana cost. Yeah, I, th I think you make a really, really good point there. It's what I was... Uh, I've, I've, you know, talk about this time period a lot, but it's when I played like a lot and I got into it is around, like, Ixalan Standard, where you're running, like, Moments of Craving and Frasca's Contempt, because, like, every other card was either indestructible or had to be exiled, mostly cards being indestructible. In a format like that, this card is great. Yeah. Because if you're, like, playing against an aggro deck and you're exiling a Hazaret, yeah, you would want to pay two mana to exile this Hazaret before it hits you in the face. Right, I don't I, care I what card makes... they get. Yeah, point. exactly. Like, I don't care. I just don't want to take five from this indestructible god. I'm just going to do literally anything I can to deal with it. And I think in that meta it makes a lot of sense, which is also why I, what I said, like this card is overrated because I feel like it's good, but it's not as good as people say it is. I could, I could even see this card end up seeing play, but that it's still like fine. And some people consider this like the second coming of Fatal Push or something. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, it's like, it's not that good. Yeah, I agree there. All right. So unless you want to add something about it, Brad? Nope, I like the card. I think you're wrong. I think it's great. <laughs> All right, we'll see. <laughs> so, number one's the most exciting part of the evening. The moment we've all been waiting for. Adrian. All right, I think you will see my bias reflected in my number one card. Uh, but my number one is Venerable Warsinger. This is a one, a red, and a white 3-3, three, three, Vigilance and Trample. When it's a Spirit Cleric, whenever Venerable Warsinger deals combat damage to a player, you may return target card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of damage Venerable Warsinger dealt to that player. Um, I really like this card, and I was talking to Brad a little bit about it. Um about it maybe even replacing Luris in some instances as the graveyard recurrer. This is great in red-white aggro shells. This is great in feather as well. Featherless feather. A lot of your cards in that are one or two mana. If this gets through it, one of the key things is it has trample. So if you're pumping it, it can easily get through a blocker still deal one damage, boom, you get your Swift Spear back. You know, if it goes two damage, you get your... If, if it goes full, you can either bring back a Feather that died earlier. Um, I, I just think this is nuts in an aggro shell as a three drop. Vigilance, uh, a lot of the times we overlook Vigilance, but as a three three, being able to not tap is also great. Um, dodges Bone Crusher Giant, dodges Fatal Push, 
And if if you're swinging and only getting in one damage with this, it's great because it's return target creature card with how much damage you dealt. Um, so I really like this. Again, I'm kind of uh, what's the word? Biased towards red white. I'm a little biased towards feather, but I think this goes great in an aggro shell. You could even consider running it over Luris. And um, yeah, I, I really, really like this card. It's very close to like one of my favorite cards in the entire set. I, this is like such a cool card. Alex and I were really excited about this card when we first saw it. Um, it didn't quite make my top five. Now, if we were doing a top 10, this probably would have made that list. Um, I really like the card. The three toughness always is a little feels bad um, just because it dies to things like lightning strike. And the, the three man, the three toughness is like my threshold. You're right. It dodges bone crusher giant or the stomp uh, part of that. It dodges an unrevolted fatal push. So they have to work for it. Um, it's not legendary. So you can have multiple copies down swinging in. Well, I think the great thing is it can get other copies. Like, yeah. This is very much a card where I wouldn't be surprised if it says return target creature card not named Venerable Warsinger or something like that. But but it doesn't, right? You can get other Venerable Warsingers, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, I, I like the card a lot. Uh, this And if you watched our, our spoiler cast for uh, Kaldheim, where I named Old Growth Troll as my number one, this is kind of like that, where it wasn't on anybody else's list. Um, but I think it's it's a really strong card um could have easily went on my underrated if it wasn't my number one um it, it feels kind of like a pet card to me uh but yeah i just i'm really excited for this card i'm really excited to see how well it performs over luris in a red white um because of the big reason a lot of people play featherless feather is because you can play luris and you can get back those cards well you can run regular feather um, and this if you want to try it out. You know, you don't have to run the Luris version. Um, granted, obviously, there's deck building complications and what you're slotting it in for. I know feather runs a very tight list, but um, even in just red white aggro shells, I think this is a, uh, a blowout. Kind of fun in like Naya aggro because this is one of like one of the better collected company hits out there. Like this is a fantastic three drop on rate. Yeah. And imagine grabbing it at the end step of your opponent's turn and then just being able to, yeah, swing. like finding an opportune time to be like, Hey, my opponent's blowing. You know, he's got no blockers. Let me just get in for three and get back my other venerable war singer that died earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Like I find number one, a bold call. Uh, <laughs> I find this could replace Luris, uh, bold, but, I, I, you know, well, uh, you know, well supported argument. I'll say when I made my list, I didn't even consider this card, and that's definitely a mistake. Uh, a card I overlooked trying to make my list. I do agree. This card is just super powerful, very good on raid. It's just they really like couldn't have made this card better without it being stupid. Like this couldn't have been a three four. This couldn't have been a four three. This couldn't have had haste. Like there's like nothing they could have really done about the card without making it ridiculous so they just this card is just like perfectly optimized super strong i like it a lot and i think it's a it's it's a cool bold one 
They're like, school of mages? You mean school of punching people in the dick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to play Boros Acro. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of kind of my pet card of the set. Uh I, I believe it's my favorite card of the set. Um and yeah, comes in at a number one for me. Spirit cleric, actually also kind of cool typing. Spirit that doesn't fly is weird, but this is full, but hey clerics. We've seen like horse of clerics, mono white clerics. Are we gonna play like Mardu clerics? Yeah, are we gonna play like Mardu clerics angels overlap shenanigans? Four color spirits? No. No. No, stop that. No. No, we're not, not playing, that one. We're not playing just by spirits. <laughs> it, it's it's just frustrating, but very understandable that these spirits don't fly, and that means they mash really poorly with the spirits from Innistrad. Yeah. So these are kind of spirits for flavor reasons, not for <laughs> but like, <laughs> hey, it's like it it helps. Right? Like there's some spirit support. There's also I mean, I can always imagine that they'll print, like, removal spells based on spirit, right? If we go back to Innistrad, then this type of thing could mash. The spirits of Innistrad are in white. There could be other white oh, spirits yeah, that mash with this yeah, they might be setting it well. up, actually. Yeah, like, may maybe, maybe we'll have more spirits of, like, dead soldiers in Innistrad who will just walk. No. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to f***ing play Quintora's Field of Storian as my spirit lord, dude. No, but you won't, because we're going to get, like, Undead Marshal, or, like, uh, Etern Eternal Marshal or something in Innistrad, and it's just going to be, like, a two-mana, two-two dude that says no, your spirit's no, get plus one plus one. There's too many vampires and werewolves stuff, okay? They don't have time or the room. They're going to squeeze it in. Oh, yeah. We get a, we get a vampire werewolf spirit. But but here's the thing, like they did in uh like they did in that core set where Soren was in. It's like there are only two cards in that set that support vampires, but one of them was really good. So maybe we don't get a lot of spirit supports in those sets, but the cards that do play with spirits are incredible. What if Avrasin is a spirit angel? Yeah, but Avrasin's always like an eight drop, so okay, <laughs> that's not yeah, gonna go true. very well in your aggro deck. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to pump this guy a lot in order to bring her back. <laughs> no, but great card, very good entry, Brad. Okay, so Adrian mentioned my number one plural. Uh, don't be mad because this one I think you can accept as an exception, unlike my number five, which I admit was a cop out and lazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But this one, I have to pair these together because they literally do not go in the, uh, a deck separately from one another. They are in the same deck at all times. It is Clever Luminancer and Leonin Lightscribe. These cards are so good together, but more importantly, they're amazing in a Boros aggro deck, or like Adrian's been calling it, Featherless Feather. They're amazing. So we have Clever Woman Answer. Let's go over them again real quick. It's a one drop. It's a 0-1 with Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Clever Woman Answer gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And the Leonin White Scribe is a 2-2 two, two for two, so a bear, but it's actually a cat, cat cleric. Uh, it has, also has Magecraft. And whenever you cast a, a or copy an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So you have a pseudo prowess being plus two plus two, which can get out of hand pretty quickly on clever woman answer on a one drop. 
And you also have a pseudo prowess lord for all of your creatures. And another thing that's really nice about them, being a 2-2 and an 0-1, getting pumped for two, these slot so well into this deck, A, because the deck's just trying to target their own stuff with things like Defiant Strike, Gird for Battle, God's Willing, uh, maybe the new one you guys are talking about, uh, what was it, the, the hybrid one that gets you a 3-2 spirit when it dies? Uh, make your mark. Yep, maybe that one as well. Um, you have God's Willing to protect it, but more importantly... My favorite thing about these cards is that they pair perfectly with Reckless Rage. They all can be hit by Reckless Rage, along with everything else in your deck. It's very important. Um, so having the ability to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to use this Reckless Rage, clear the way. Also, pump the entire team with Leon and Lightscribe while you're doing it is phenomenal. They're both one and two drops, so they pair well with Luris, so be able to get them back. Or if you want to go and play uh, the um, the Spirit Cleric, the Venerable Warsinger, you can do that as well. You can slot that into this deck the same way and get back these things. And you can also just play Arcanist as well with them. You, you already have the shell there ready to go, and they slot so well. Like, we've talked about theory for a lot of the cards we've talked like brought up today. Like, maybe this can be a new deck, maybe like with the band control thing, or like maybe you can slot into decks, or maybe it's a little weird or brings up a new deck, like, like, is it wizards or things like that? We're all or Esper control, advantaging first, and all these. We don't have that problem with this, uh, these two cards. They already slot into a deck, and it's not just like a shoehorn that you're just like, you have to play, like, you just you're forcing it, but they slot in so perfectly where I feel like not only would this be a good deck. This will compete in possibly one of the best decks in Pioneer moving forward, competing with, do you play Boros, uh, Boros Aggro, this deck, or Burn, and what the meta is set up for. And if you're in a deck where Boros Burn isn't as good, or in a meta where Boros, Boros Burn is not as good, this is the better deck, because Reckless Rage shits on decks like Vampires, which eats up Boros Burn in the creature-heavy decks. This, this is going to be a legit deck. This is going to be great. And the more pieces we get moving forward, especially like better one mana, like pump stuff and things like that, I, I think this is a legit deck and a cheap one at that for players that want to get in if you have friends that want to play the uh, the format in general. That's another thing. There's two things I want to I wanna say about these cards. I don't know, Adrian, you're more of the Feather player, so you can comment first. Um, I really like Leona and Light Scribe. I'm not, I don't know if Lumamancer goes next to Swift Spear, if you try to replace Swift Spear with it, if it goes, if it's a better Hoplite, um, you would probably re replace Hoplite. You have four Swift Spears, Hoplites, and Lumamancer? Yeah, so the build that I have I put together has 21 creatures. It runs two Tent District Legionnaire, three Leon and White Scribe, three Arcanist, two Soulscar Mage, four Swift Spear, four Hoplite, three Illuminancers. Um, yeah, it all depends on your build. Uh, I definitely like the cards. Um, I think Light Scribe is the stronger one. Um, but Lumamancer, it's, it's, if you want to run a lot of those, um, Hoplite-esque Swift Spear cards, I kind of lean towards Swift Spear just because of the haste aspect. Um, but 
plus two is nothing to laugh at. So really, it's um, yeah, I like them both. I like them in the uh, the aggro shell that Brad is talking about. Um, I also like them both in feather. So, so there's there's still two points I want to touch about with this card. First of all, I think they pair very well with a card like Favorite Hoplite or other heroic cards in general. Could even be the one mana O four because they they don't require to be targeted to trigger, but the heroic creatures do. So you just target your favorite hoplite and your Lumamancer still gets the benefit. Now, when I think of changing Feather from, um, like, with these cards, I would say, like, one that probably goes as 10th District Legionnaire and a, if you don't want to, cut on your pump spells too much and a contentious card is monastery shift spare what i think is an interesting thing to try with this deck because if you're cutting 10th district legionnaire and monastery swift spare which i feel like the more likely cuts though maybe favorite hoplite but not with what i'm about to say you are losing an element to your deck which is haste these are your two haste creatures all your other creatures don't but what if we swap the haste creatures with these two then we swap Titan Strength with Samet Sprint, and we swap another pump spell with Expedite. And now we have pump spells that cantrip slash cry, still buff power, and grant haste, which in turn makes your favorite Hoplite, Dreadhorde Arcanist, and Feather also better cards, while accommodating for these cards, replacing the ones with haste. Because now your entire deck doesn't have haste, so you accommodate by running haste, ca- haste pump spells, and now I feel like your deck like is really cohesive. Where I've seen like featherless with expedite, but putting expedite on a monastery swift spear feels kind of stupid because it already has haste. Right. I like that. Like I don't know what you guys. That's just the first thought I had now. Like when you're trying to change that deck. More of a transformational build. Honestly, I thought you were gonna say. If we're taking out 10th District, if we're taking out Swift Spear, why not just go Mono White? I mean, Mono White with that new card, the uh, three drop. And this could, uh, it oh, yeah, could be true. Luris as well. Yep. Um, a, a card that I had written down, it didn't make any of my list, but it was one of the only, I think, four enchantments of the set. <laughs> um, <laughs> Epic cries in the corner. As we only get four enchantment. Dramatic finale. It's a uh, four white black hybrid mana, but creature tokens you get get one one, and whenever one or more dies, you create a two one flyer. Um, I don't really know why I'm mentioning that. Uh, <laughs> you could actually. Oh, it's because non-token creatures when they die. So like, I guess like, it pumps the flyers. But like, I mean, you always them. have a creature around to pump. Yeah, that's basically. But I would, if you want that type of guarantee, I just squeeze like one copy of the White Castle in there, and that could generate you tokens if need be. Yeah. No, I think with the with this pairing you mentioned, Brad, is like there is a possibility you could go with like a just white version of Featherless Feather with Hop White. No, I feel I feel like Mono White is not good because some of the red spells, mainly Reckless Rage, are actually really good. Uh, you want to run like Samet Sprint and Expedite to get that haste element in, which I also think is very important, because you want to be able to play a creature 
and immediately like utilize those pump spells. And if your creature doesn't have haste, that doesn't really happen. Um, but I think it's interesting that you have a white package that is solid enough that you no longer have to go in red, but not mono white, but you can go Celestia or Azorius with like that ah, right. something curious obsession or something or Orzov, so you get some more removal options. And I think that's the interesting part about it, that your white package, your mono-white package, especially with the legendary creature too, if you don't go Lurus, is strong enough that you can now look to branch out into other colors. That's probably my favorite takeaway from this. It just, this just gives options, and options is always good, right? I mean, almost every card we've talked about today is modal. Yeah. Because options are good. I'm kind of intrigued by the, uh, what's it called? The Warhold Deans. Clark and Augusta. Those can even work in this. And Clark's kind of okay. Clark. Clark. More so Augusta. It I reminds like me a bit of, of that villain from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Have you guys seen that movie? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> it's a bridge. And there's like this really big guy. And all he says is like, Yarp. <laughs> and it just makes me think of that. Just Yarp. People who've seen that movie, it's great, and they know it. People who haven't seen this movie, watch it. It's great. It's so funny. It's a comedy with Simon Simon Pegg and someone else. Um, it's part of the uh, the trilogy, the ice cream flavor trilogy, whatever it's called. Because they they take place in the same universe. It's Hot Fuzz, um, Shaun of the Dead, and uh, the End of the World. Yeah, I like that package, and I can see why you included them both in a number one, because Lumamancer is kind of just... And this one, I'll definitely excuse you for a package. Yeah, Lumamancer is kind of just like, it doesn't... It, it's it's like a cherry on top of a light scribe. Yeah, I mean, I just think like it's a one-drop. It's a very strong one-drop. If, if favorite Hoplite can see play, so can this. Um, and Alex's point that they pair well with Hoplite because you target Hoplite, keep pumping that, and this one's like, cool, I get a benefit from that. Me too. Yeah, and yeah I just I'll do used... that too, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you have, if you happen to have no pump spells or have like a bad mulligan... Well, that, that's just this deck in general, though. Like, how, how often do they just remove everything you do and you're like, wow, I have four Gird for Battles in hand. Yeah, I mean, how often do you start with one Swift Spear and they push in and you're like, shit. <laughs> like, that doesn't really change if you start with one of any of the creatures you can run in this deck. It's the same with Ors of Auras. They push your one drop, you lose. Which is exactly why I was saying you run this one drop alongside those other two cards when you're talking about possibly cutting the major in. Because I want more really good creatures that I can play that I can continuously pump because it feels bad when I have no creatures to play and I have all these pump spells. So I want to keep being like, hey, yeah, you push it. I don't give a shit because I have another one drop and another one drop and another one drop and like, you and then can't... you get these hands with four, with three O twos in it, and no pump spells, and you're like, uh oh. You don't know how many times I've been stuck with a blossoming defense, a teamer battle rage, and a uh, collision colossus, and hand, and just nothing. Don't worry, we'll go back to uh, Kaladesh one day, uh, Adrian, and we'll have energy. Again. I really want to go back to Kaladesh. Bring back the vehicles, baby. I mean, we got some. I, I love uh, that lore. And, and hop in, loser. We're going to Kaladesh. <laughs> yeah, I love that setting of just inventors. Yeah, and the the uh, the Indian culture idea is really cool with like a steampunk fusion. Brad and I have uh, expressed our love for uh, Kaladesh in the past. I'm a big fan of the plane. Mm -hmm. 
I just like energy so much. All right, Alex, you're number one. My number one. Here's your TED Talk. I'm going to mute myself and just leave the room. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I don't know how long I'll be. I won't be that long. Uh, so I, uh, I said I dialed down from Coldheim because there I put a sweeper on number one. Liar. Well, yeah, Brad immediately got it when I said it. Because there's another sweeper on my list, and it's the actual number one. Um, and it's, as Brad mentioned the card earlier, Culling Ritual. Two black-green sorcery. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Add black or green to your mana pool for each permanent destroyed this way. Now, this card doesn't immediately jump out as, like, a number one card. And a lot of the other cards on this list, if you just look at, like, you know, the first thing you can think of with this card, it's like, yeah, the sweeper gets your mana, it's nice, there's a little Luris, blah, blah, blah. It's good. But it's probably more like a number five, a number four. The reason I put this at number one is because it's the only card that I saw on the list, or maybe even, like, one of the only cards in the set, that can not just be good, but can truly be broken. Like... Casting this for four mana and getting 12 mana is just broken, right? And it's the type of stuff that immediately wins you games. And this is the card that has that type of t potential and can honestly make it one of the better rituals in the game. Obviously, not like Dark Ritual, Kabbalah, they're obviously insane. Um, but definitely one of the best in Pioneer because we hardly have any. And in that way, it brings something to Pioneer that is very special. And I brewed up a quick deck. Uh, I just named it, uh, it's on my Twitter, I named it Culling Ritual Hillfire Boom. And there are 16 cards in this game, being Blisterpod, Carrier Thrall, Direfleet Hoarder, and Gleaming Barrier, for who remembers that from Ixalan Limited, that are CMC 2 or lower, and when they die they give you a permanent, you can immediately sack for more mana. And what this deck aims to do is you kind of just, like, your board is just like a mana battery that you're building. And at one point, you're just like, okay, Culling Ritual, Torment of Hellfire, you're dead. And that's just the first thought I had with it, and it's super crude, and it's probably bad. Well, I wouldn't even say it's probably bad, but it's most likely bad and needs a lot of tuning. But... Immediately just that jumps out with this deck, with this card. It's like, you can truly break this card, right? If Devastating Mastery, it's good. It's like, yeah, it's a good sweeper. But we know sweepers. We've had sweepers. It's just the best sweeper. This card is just truly broken if someone manages to do this. And very akin to Fatal Push, the older your format gets, the lower your CMCs go. Like... In, like, five years, if people will still play Feather, it will never have Feather. Because we'll have gotten some more one and two drops that are so good that we just never consider putting a three drop in our deck anymore. And in that way, we see 21% Lurus now. In five years, that'll be 30 40%. We might have to ban Lurus because how low CMCs go. So this card is super good now potentially broken now if you can find the right shell and the longer the format goes the better this card gets so it's actually at its weakest right now and that for me is just the recipe of a number one card now i've had like a tendency of putting like weirder cards high up same for like feed the swarm because it does something unique or raven form which gets high because it does something unique 
And this card is top, top dog for me for a very similar reason. It does something super cool that hardly any other card in Magic does. Yeah, I love the build around potential of like, just like, hey, I can give myself value. But I yeah, mean, especially doubling up with the cards like Blister Pod that die, give you mana, and then give you more mana. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta be honest, I never considered using this with your own board. I just never considered combo potential with uh, that. That's actually really, uh, really clever. I like that. And even if you just play it fairly, it's still fine. Like, again, Luris is 21% of the meta, which means that 21% of decks are CMC 2 or less. And even the ones that aren't, like Spirits, for example, Spirits is getting lower and lower in curve. We've seen most lists be like, yeah, uh, we're no longer doing four Nebelgast Herald. We're not even doing two Nebelgast Herald and two Sha uh, Shacklegeist. We're just doing four Shacklegeist now. That's a two-mana card. And like... Yes, they have selfless spirit to be able to protect itself and that kind of thing, but whatever. The point is that more and more decks are leaning, even the ones that aren't playing Luris, are leaning more and more into the one and two mana like territory. And that's not going to change. I mean, Mono Black is another one. Sure, they have the top end of Rankle and Spawn of Mayhem, but like they have literally 16 one drops. So, or 16 one and two drops, 12 one drops, and then, yeah. So. Yeah, and another card I was considering for this deck, I, it's in my first list as a one-off almost, so I just don't forget about it, is something like Witch's Oven. Like, even, like, your stuff dies early, you just start building this pile of tokens that you just have nothing to do with, because who cares about gaining some life? And then you just, like, set off the explosion. Oh, yeah. That's just what I read. Like, blowing up your food is, like, probably, like, a flavor-wise kind of a fun one. Culling ritual, and it just involves, like, all your food being eaten. But, like, I don't know. This this deck just has a lot of... This card just has a lot of play to it. I like this idea for a deck. We'll probably do some testing with, like, some brews, and I'll definitely try and build this. Hanger back walker shenanigans. Uh, there's just so much. My head just immediately went, like, when I started thinking of this card. And it's like, that's the type of card that's the number one card for me, if it does that. Yeah, to me. I agree. So it's a good number one card. I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful card to end on as well. But we have reminders out the door. We don't have time for mailbag this week because, you know, we're at two and a half hours. We've been at it for three hours. <laughs> two and a half. Okay. That's what my recording says. So, you know. Anyway, reminders out the door. We are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. If you want to hop in, play some Paper Magic with myself, Alex, or even Adrian, if you actually get the webcam to play and participate, you can. Description is right there. In the description, there's a link. Click it. Join. Play. Every week, we try to do mailbag questions. We've missed it a couple weeks because spoiler season is really tough to do mailbag when we're talking about cards for however long. But if you want to be featured in mailbag questions, which should be continuing at a more regular rate over the next couple of months, you can go ahead and be featured on the cast and ask any question you want. Also, we have Twitter. Adrian, you are our guest. What is your Twitter? Plug yourself. My Twitter is Adrian's Happy. I don't tweet a lot, but I think this week I might uh I might tweet or Instagram my uh themed days of the week at the office. Uh we we do tropical Tuesdays and casual Fridays <laughs> and and a few other ones, so you don't want to miss out on that for sure. No, no you don't. 
And of course, Alex, you have a, you have a Twitter as well. It is at Disciple of Bolas. Not biased at all. Um, yeah, it's where uh, it's where you'll find me, especially like now, like spoiler season's coming up. If I have a deck brew, uh, a deck idea, I'll make a rough draft, and it just immediately goes onto Twitter. Uh, I had a uh, Duke, who some of you might know from either casting from the server, playing on the server, doing well in tournaments like today. Um, immediately, like, well, like sometime later in the day, send me like, oh yeah, I had a look at your list, and I like had these ideas for it, and it's like, yeah, I, I really love it when people do that. So if you look yeah. at a list of mine, you think I'm an idiot because I should include card X, Y, and Z, please say it a little nicer. But let me know, DM me on Twitter, find me on the server. I'd love to talk magic. Yep, and my Twitter is Bradsiver. Um, it's the same as what we, everything else, Reddit, all that good stuff too. And we also have our Twitter for our podcast, which is at Pio Perspective. And you can also follow the official Twitter for our Playaway Discord, which is Come Play Away. And you can hit up those uh, those accounts for things just like Alex said. If you want to submit any kind of deck list, things like that, you can either DM myself or Alex or even the official Pioneer Perspective Twitter. We also have other podcasts to kind of, you know, let you know about. We are the Pioneer Perspective, but we have a sister podcast called Pondering Popper featuring Cali Kais and Diego. They should be doing an episode tomorrow. I don't know if they're doing a top five or anything along those lines for strict saving cards for Popper, but maybe they are. Maybe they should have some uh, fun stuff in store, but they're wonderful. They're great. And I would definitely check them out, even if you don't play Popper. And we also have merch. If you want to get some playmats through Ink Gaming, which is our wonderful partner, we have some really cool ones and other stuff, dice bags, things like that. Yeah, the link's in there. It supports us. It helps feed Alex. Uh, not this Alex. Uh, other Alex that is editing this podcast. Editing Alex. Yeah. And uh, it, it, we appreciate it. If we it. don't feed him, it's up to you guys. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> we, are, we have the same relationship with Alex that Wizards have with their deck list interns. That's why you had that gap a few <laughs> weeks ago where they just weren't putting up deck lists. They forgot to feed him, and uh, he died. There you go. Hey, so, when does the D&D set come out? June? Or July, one of those. Is that, is that our next uh, Pioneer Legal set? Yes, yes, it is. All right. We expect to see more rogues and clerics and wizards and soldiers. Is that the other one? Warrior. Expect to roll d20s. Oh, God, if that's a fucking mechanic. If we have a pre-release set from... If we have a pre-release for this set and you get a d20 for the D&D one it better be a randomizer like a proper dice which you can actually use to play D&D and not a spin down I don't care how inconvenient it is to find your life total I don't care I really don't just write it down <laughs> yeah get a pad and pen I would love an actual d20 I can use while playing D&D without getting yelled at by my DM <laughs> but to not get yelled at by you guys listening to us ramble we love you thank you for the support whether it's through Reddit through Twitter through the server coming out watching the casting events for the invitationals that alex and i have killed ourselves through going eight hours straight for two months in a row you mean the world to us thank you adrian of course thank you very much i'll see you in the D, &D set <laughs> yes <laughs> and with that we hope to have you guys listen to us again next week bye-bye bye-bye